0: more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew
1: Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now.
2: Go on, Ezzy. Finish your story.
3: Good morning, Winnipeg. The, 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 Good morning, the saga, Manitoba.
2: The saga of your new hat continue. We're, we're, we're all very interested. I'm very excited Liz. about my
3: new hat, actually. I love I it. It's a vintage Blue Jays hat, and uh, yeah, how's it going? Thanks, everybody, for story. tuning you in. Look, Let's go. You went
2: to look for a Devil's hat. Keep going, and then why couldn't you buy a Devil's hat, Ezzy?
3: I couldn't find a good Devil's hat, so I bought a Blue Jays hat.
2: There was was more to the story, Dave. Dave can vouch for me uh, that there was more. Dave's giving a thumbs down. He's not going to do it. Fine, fine. I was looking to bring a little levity to the start of the show, but you guys won't play along with me. Nonetheless, I will say good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live on our social media platforms, wherever you may be, we say good morning, Universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours, talking about the Winnipeg Jets, talking about old school Toronto Blue Jays hats, and Ezzy's saga to find a devil's hat that fits his noggin. We're going to be joined by Murat Atesh at the bottom of the hour, Michael Tracos in our number two whatever you just said as a, you're muted so i couldn't quite hear you but nonetheless, no, all i was going to say is
3: the reason why i couldn't get a devil's hat at lids is because they only had snapbacks and most snapbacks are not big enough for my fat head so that's why i ended up going with a fitted jay's hat
2: w- what size is that fitted jay's hat that a snapback couldn't be adjusted enough to fit it
3: i don't know i'm seven and seven eighths so
2: well, it's a big head He's yep. got a big noggin there, yep. folks. A lot of brains in that noggin that it's gotta fill up. So that makes that makes the sense there. So if you're looking to buy Ezi a gift, do not buy him a snapback hat because it does not fit his head. But is that is that doesn't look like a flat brim to me? It's not a it's got a bit of a curve to it. Am I right there?
3: Yeah, it, it, it I don't curve my hats that much. I curved it a little bit, but
2: okay. And we know Dave's very passionate about uh, not uh, rocking a flat brim hat. That's been a long time. Uh, uh, would it be a complaint of yours, or just a long time preference of yours? I suppose that you don't no. wear the flat brim hat. Not a complaint.
0: I, I'm I'm open to people having their own preferences. I just choose to wear 3930s, not the 5950 style. So, I'm a, I'm a curve guy. I'm a curve guy through and through.
2: You're a curve guy through and through, exactly right. Whether it be covering development camp for the Winnipeg Jets or curving your the brim of your hat, you're a curve guy through and through. Let's get talking about the Winnipeg Jets on this Saturday morning. Uh, we start with free agency, because really when we signed off last Saturday, that was the start of free agency. Uh, and the Winnipeg Jets were, you know, I would say, typically active in free agency their same their usual amount of, of 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 activity they were not the the you know most active team in the NHL as no one would ever expect them to be but they did make a couple of moves you know the primary one i would say being uh, getting Laurent Porswap back presumably to be the backup goaltender to his good friend Connor Hellebuck. He returns from the Vegas Golden Knights on a one year deal worth $1.75 million. In addition, they re sign Vlad Nemesnikov to a two year contract. He gets two years, $4 million, $2 million per year as the salary cap hit there as he's waving. And then a couple days later, they sign. Uh, Axel Janssen-Fialbi to a two-year contract, which is a two-way deal for the first year and then a one-way deal in the second year. He's going to make $775,000 at the NHL level. Uh, with all due respect to Jeff Veal, uh, we're going to, probably not going to spend a lot of time on that signing because if he's in the Jets lineup, uh, things have probably gone a little bit haywire uh, you know, in terms of the season. But also, you can't not mention that Artemi... Uh, Kine- uh, Niazev, am I getting it right? Am I anybody know the the correct pronunciation? I'm going to go with Nia, Niazev. It comes over from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Leon Gavanke, who everyone thought was going to be in Germany, but Leon Gavanke is in fact going to be in San Jose. As they've speculated, he had an out in his uh, four year deal with Mannheim uh, in Germany. So that's sort of the summary of the moves that the jets have made so far. Will I would throw be- in
3: signing Colin Delia as well.
2: Yeah, sorry, Colin Delia as well cuz I think there's a domino effect to the Bruswa and Delia signings that we'll get into. But I guess I would say to you guys, you know, compared to given the moves the jets have made this off season, the signings, the acquisitions, the trades, the departures, is this team further ahead than, than where they were at the end of last season in your estimation?
3: Well, it's so hard to say right now, right? Because we expect probably, you know, at least a few more moves, right? Like, I, I think, you know, there's some question marks about the fourth line. But no, I wouldn't say that the, the Jets are significantly better. I think that, you know, when you consider you know the totality of trading Pierre-Luc Dubois to the LA Kings and then getting three roster players, obviously with Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafallo being... You know the two guys that you expect to be in the top nine for the Jets, and then Vladimir Mestikov, I think you know, is an interesting signing because you know it gives you options on your second and third lines, right? Like he's your kind of prototypical middle six guy that can play center or wing. But I think something that not a lot of people are talking about is there have been zero moves on defense, uh-huh. right? And this wasn't exactly the Carolina Hurricanes last year, <laughs> and you know, that's why I, you know, to me. You know, this Jets team, I think, can compete for a playoff spot. There's no okay. doubt about that. But I don't know how you can possibly say that this Jets team, you know, based on the moves that they've made, whether it's the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, whether it's, you know, signing Vlad Nemestikov. Look, I think Lauren Bressois is an upgrade on David Riddick. I like that signing a lot. Um, I don't think, you know, Lauren Bressois is going to play 40 games or anything like that. I think if Connor Hellebuck is the starting goalie, most likely he's going to be in that 55 to 65 game range. And Laurent Brassois is fine with that, right? He played that role for two years with the Jets as the backup goalie. So I like the Axel Janssen-Fialbi signing. If you go back, uh, I I guess, you know, six weeks ago, two months ago, you know, we were talking about which Jets RFAs we would like to see back or or pending UFAs. And I mentioned that I thought Axel Janssen-Fialbi is a guy, you know, that has a, a purpose on this team. I think, you know, he can be a guy that plays on the fourth line. He can play that 13th forward role. He can give you some energy on the fourth line. Now, are the Jets looking at bringing in a veteran, you know, to play center on the fourth line? I'm not sure. I think David Gustafson is a guy who obviously has a high ceiling. He didn't score a goal last year. He didn't provide a lot of offense. He was a healthy scratch for a little bit. Uh, So he's uh, obviously, you know, an option there on the fourth line as is Rasmus Kupari, right? Kupari is a guy that can play center. He can play wing. So Mm -hmm. I think I, I like the moves. Colin Delia is a guy that obviously Dave knows the goaltending situation. I mean, Dave can correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine the, the Moose go in with Oskari Salmon and, and Colin Delia and then Thomas Millich plays in the ECHL. I'm not sure, you know, who uh, that will be for. Yeah, I would assume I Millich doesn't just go right into the AHL. Maybe Millich, you know, plays a game or two or three in the AHL level, but I assume he starts at the ECHL level. So Colin Delia is a guy that Dave knows has a lot of AHL experience and I imagine he'll split the games with Oskari Salman or, or at the very least he'll play 20 to 30 games. So I like the moves, but You know, when I look at this Jets team, I I still see a team that has some flaws, right? Like the high-end talent up front has suffered a little bit when you move Pierre-Luc Dubois and buy out Blake Wheeler, even though I think Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafalo will fit in nicely, whether that's give Velarde up the middle and Iafalo on the wing with Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron, and then maybe that bumps Mason Appleton down to the fourth line. So your fourth line is, as it stands now, could be Janssen, Fialbi, Kupari, Appleton, something like that. Um, and then obviously David Gustafson is an option there. But I think I, I've liked the moves, but I'm not, you know, prepared to say, you know, this Jets team is significantly better. And now they're a top three team in the West.
2: No, I, I would agree with your assessment there, Ezzie. If you look at, from my perspective, you look at this Jets team, and I, I think there's still probably a... Similar to what they were last year I would say that they're likely if, if you you know that they're their ceiling right now to me would be probably wild card team maybe third spot in the central division they have better depth but as you said they don't have the same level of, of, of top talent to compete with the real big boys uh, you know in the NHL you know they are they're not they're they're sort of a little bit in the mushy middle but maybe the mushy middle plus, Dave, not not necessarily the mushy middle minus, which is really where you definitely don't want to be, but you're still not you're not, you're not citing the jets as a Stanley Cup contender uh based on their current lineup by any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, I mean I think again as he talked about it, one thing this team was lacking last year was depth, so you've added depth, but it came at the expense of that you know, one-two punch in Shifley and Dubois. So, I mean, you're going to take a hit there. But is it, it's a question, I guess, of the sum of all parts. Is that going to help you? And, you know, some folks think that Rasmus Kapari could be a real nice uh, addition to that fourth line and and provide, you know, fourth line center and move guts into the wing. And, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I agree with that. It's it's, it's it's always hard. It's like it's like declaring winners and losers of a trade. This team won. It's like, no, you'll know that in three years. You know, it's the same as drafts. I mean, guys, I've been... a you know, the development camp all week. And so many people were, oh, this guy's a bust. This guy was a, p-. and it's like, I have literally no idea. I'm watching guys who were drafted two or three years ago. And we're still wondering <laughs> what is their ceiling going to be? What are they going to look like in the NHL? And I am think to myself, so, you know, whether it's uh Elias Salamonson or, you know, Anton Johansson, any yeah. of these guys who are, overseas you don't have any clue we're not watching them regularly i don't watch the swedish hockey league or the junior leagues in sweden to be able to give you a proper assessment as to the development of these nobody does dave no i know but i'm unless unless
3: you're an amateur scout or a pro scout for an nhl team or you work in the scouting business nobody's watching the swedish elite league on a regular basis right
2: (laughs) i'm pretty sure dave was watching the swedish elite league during covid though wasn't he clipping you know uh you know i may have i may have two uh, swedish hockey uh, highlights the, uh, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, I'll, 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 I will i will
0: i can not pronounce the name, but the, uh, the last or something like no, that. No, It's yeah. like, uh, I can't pronounce it, but uh, anyways, the point is, that and, 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 and you might be right, but anyways, the point <laughs> is that that was when there was less ho- hockey over here or something like that, that I had to do. I'm just saying that I agree with that it's, it's always very hard to assess. I think that you, you, you need the depth because too often if the jets had an injury, they didn't have anybody to fill it. And it was always going to be a problem for this team. Whereas now you have guys who can fill. And and look, clearly, based on Kevin Sheveldayoff's commentary on Saturday afternoon after our show last week, the fact of the matter is this organization is expecting big things from Cole Perfetti.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's time for Cole Perfetti to step up. I mean, here's his opportunity. And we always talk. That's a word, the O word that we tend to use, whether it's with the Moose or the Jets or whichever yeah. organization we're talking about. It's no, our It's wives true. And
2: significant girlfriends don't use the O word ever with us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm. Anywho, the point is, Drew is a family show. The, the point is that that we're talking Sorry, about. I'm opportunity for yourself, I'm known as
3: Doctor Love.
0: Okay, well, anywho, the point is that the opportunity. I always is perform there. at
3: the highest level, Drew.
2: No, I'm sure you do. Go ahead, one Dave, minute, man. Stop, yeah, we'll yeah, I was stop like, boy, now, go holy go
0: moly! I get five seconds to talk, and you guys are filibustering me. <laughs> point is that uh, I think that the opportunity is there for Cole Perfetti to step up, and it's it's a big ask. It's a big ask for for a guy like Profetti, who hasn't been playing center at the NHL level to step up and become a, a center or, you know, for Gabe Velarde, who, I, I mean, I actually think Gabe Velarde could step in and, and, and perform. I mean, we look, his numbers were very similar to Pierre-Luc Dubois. His defense is vastly superior to Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it sounds like it's because of tough love, right? As he got tough love in LA and he basically was like, he came in as a center. He wasn't good defensively as a center. They moved him to wing. But they told him, they literally told him, you're not playing well. Like he got, he said, he got yelled at. And it, it reinforced that he needed to play better defense. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think what you're going to do is you're going to have that opportunity for guys like Velarde or Perfetti to step up. And if they seize that mantle, too many years, guys, if you think about it, guys have been put in the way. There's been roadblocks of your young centers to be able to come in and take a role. Here's a chance for a young center to come in and take a role I think it's an opportunity, and I don't think it's something that uh, we are antici- we can anticipate or d- say how what kind of level of success it's going to have.
3: Dave, this is something we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. It's something we're going to be talking about in September. And look it. I mean, I think you're talking about goals when you're talking about Vellardi because Vellardi had 41 points and Dubois had 63 points. So the Jets are expecting more offense out of Vellardi, and I think they're, they're going to get it. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's either Gabe Vellardi up the middle on the second line assuming Shifley's obviously staying as the first-line center, or it's Cole Perfetti. And yes, Cole Perfetti, you know, he's had some injury problems over the last few years. So obviously, you know, you want him to stay healthy for the majority of the season, but you also want every player on your team to stay healthy for the majority of the season. So Cole Perfetti, I think in, you know, whatever it was, 50 games last year, he was having a good season. And then we know what happened. It was an unfortunate situation. And, you know, even though he's young, I think, you know, we know that he has the first-round pedigree. He's a guy... That is obviously a very smart, intelligent player holds onto the puck. We've seen his vision, right, Dave? Like he's a guy that, you know, can shoot the puck just as well as he can set up other players, right? So I'm not as concerned about some, about the second line center role as some other people, but I think, you know, when you're looking at this Jets team, you have to look at it as a whole, not just second line center, not just second line wing, third line wing. You have to look at it as a whole. And you have to be, be a good defensive team, and that to me is something that, again, you know, maybe it's because I play defense, and I, you know, I'm a fan of the the Devils teams that won the cups back in the early 2000s, but. Like this Jets team is going to have to be much better as a team defensively in front of Connor Hellebuck. This is something that has been going on years. They've been too reliant on Connor Hellebuck. I mean, let's be honest. Hellebuck had to basically, you know, stand on his head at the end of the season in order for the Jets to make the playoffs in the first place. Right. And this is the same group of defense defensemen. So I think Dylan Sandberg had a great first full-time year in the league. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, But still I have concerns on that right side. And I don't know if Chevy's going to address it. I don't know if you're going to go into next year, you know, with Dylan DeMello and Neil Pionk and and Nate Schmidt. It's possible that you do, but I don't know why you would expect different results defensively if you're going with the exact same same group of defensemen.
2: I think that's a very astute point, Ezzy. You're 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 right that the Jets now you, you can see that in some of the acquisitions the team has made up front this off season that I think they're putting more focus on defensive responsibility and defensive awareness from their forwards. I think, you know, I have followed defensively responsible. Velarde, as Dave mentioned, defensively responsible. Whereas, you know, Dubois certainly had his his shortcomings in that area. And Wheeler just didn't necessarily have the same foot speed and didn't have the same capabilities as he once did. Uh, Not that he was ever a defensive stalwart to begin with. So I think with the forward group, There's definitely an emphasis on that, but, you know, with all due respect to Neil Pionk, and I mean, Neil Pionk has certainly been a a target and a focal point uh, on the Jets' back end for a number of years now, unless he's going to experience a career renaissance, and Nate Schmidt, too, who's obviously sort of seen his uh, effectiveness take a step back over the last number of years you know with those if if the 6D and I'm going to focus primarily on Pionk and Schmidt uh you know if those guys are still there it's hard to believe that the team is going to take the massive step forward on the back end defensively that I think is necessary to to improve their fortunes they they you know they just if it's the same level of performance on the right side as you said Azzi I think we're going to be, it's going to be a similar amount of issues. And we know about the log jam on the back end. We know about Declan Chisholm needing a spot. Ville Heinola, you know, potentially needing a spot. So there seems... Well, there's not
3: a spot as it stands now for Chisholm. I think he's right. ready for the NHL, but like, where's the spot? Ville Heinola. last time I checked, he wants to crack the Jets' top six as well. You're They're right. both left-shot defensemen. Could either of them play on the right side? Of course, but you've got the same issue. You've got three veterans that are all under contract. And right. to me, Drew, it goes beyond just the right side. And, you know, sometimes the Jets struggling with, you know, shot suppression or allowing too many shots, if you want to look at it like that, right? Like it's it's how the Jets play as a team defensively, right? So I agree with you. Gabe Velarde is a good defensive forward. Alex Iofalo, he's 29 years old. I mean, he's, he has a proven track record of being a guy who's tenacious and he, he can forecheck and he's responsible defensively. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's Mark Shifley, it's Kyle Connor, it's it's Nick Ehlers, it's it's everybody on the Jets. And last year, there were too many times where, you know, the Jets fell apart. Like in the second half of the season, you don't forget, like the Jets had a, a below 500 record. And well, a lot of it had to do with their the struggles offensively, but it also had to do with the fact that, you know, they, they just gave teams way too much in the middle of the ice. We talk about it it all the time, high danger chances and everything like that, right? So, I mean, there has to be more of a commitment to team defense. We've been saying this for, what, three years now, four years now, basically since 2018 when the Jets had probably their best defensive team, right? So, yes, I agree that Velarde and Ayafalo and and Nemesnikov, Nemesnikov is a defensively responsible forward, I would say. He's not Mm -hmm. just all offense. I mean, if he is all offense, that's a a problem because he doesn't exactly put up 70-point seasons, right? (laughs) He's more of a, you know, 30- to 40-point guy, right? Yeah. But uh, I like Pionk, but I just think right now on the right side, you've got too many second-pairing defensemen, right? And I I think, you know, Nate Schmidt, I have no problem with Schmidty as a third-pairing guy. If he's playing 12 to 14 minutes a night on the right side, I have no problem. It is Neil Pionk who struggled. It's not offensively. Neil Pionk is a great offensive defenseman and I I don't know if it ever came out that he was dealing with an injury. We suspected he was dealing with something last year just because he looked like he just didn't have that same speed element to his game, that same physical element to his game, right, Dave? So, yes, Neil Pionk I think will be better this year, but is he going to be good enough that he's going to get back to that kind of elite top-four defenseman that he was when he first came over to the Jets, Dave?
0: Yeah, I mean, that that is the question is yes. that is the biggest question you're right can you repeat what you had essentially last year and and i think as he hits on a good point i think it isn't just you know uh isolating these defensemen and saying they are weak they're you know uh incapable of playing defense because it's funny because we've seen them play defense before it's it's the system overall and i thought that was one of the comments uh, that i just highlighted was the fact that maybe if the jets had a better commitment and as he's right no, no, Kyle Connor is not a good defensive forward. Mark Shifley is not a good defensive forward. Pierre-Luc Dubois was not a good defensive forward. Well, if you have guys who are considered not good defensive forwards yeah. and your defense is not on the stronger side, that's going to make your team more exposed. <laughs> your five-man
2: unit is going to be weak defensively in that Well, case. I
0: mean, don't let, let's not forget the one where with, with last year when Kyle Connor flew the zone but the puck was still behind him. And they turned around, and I don't remember which game that was. It was towards the end of the season.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: the fact is that there were a lot of instances of that. There were a lot of instances where guys just didn't make the right defensive play, and then the defense gets exposed. And yeah, you could say the Jets need a stronger defense. Well, I mean, this is the NHL. It's not easy to have you know absolutely everything be A++. And the fact is that it's not, again, I'm not going to use Kevin Sheffield Dayoffs. It's not fantasy hockey. But at the end of the day, you have to figure out you know, like folks were saying, well, they could have gotten Travis Sanheim. But as Ez would say, doesn't help you on the – you don't need more on the left side. You need more on the right. And especially with – look, Morrissey, Dylan and Pionk, your left side is fine. There's nothing wrong with your left side. And then having Chisholm as an option, having Vili as an option, I guess Logan Stanley is an option. There's a lot of potential options if you need a replacement, you know, for one of those guys temporarily. Don't forget about Capo. Well, I, I think of him as a right side, to be honest with you, just because even though he's a left shot – he plays on the right side, and he's kind of their only right side option because, uh, the, you know, in, even in terms of depth, they're 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 heavy on the left. So, yeah, and then it becomes a look. We know Dylan DeMello is a cap, a very capable defenseman. There's no question about it. But the question becomes: Neil Pionk, is he gonna? Because to me, he wasn't good enough last year. And again, it's not only on. I think we've just outlined why it's not just on one defenseman, but. You you have an expectation when you sign a contract that you're going to play to that level of the contract. He's not playing to the level of the contract he signed with the Winnipeg Jets. He's just not. And there's ways to quantify that, and I think it's pretty evident. And so yeah, you're you're needing more from Neil Pionk, and I, I just think like, would the Jets would it behoove the Jets to go out and get a right side guy uh, for this team, a big right side guy to either pair with Josh Morrissey or in that second pairing? Absolutely. Brad I absolutely Sure. You know, someone, but I, I'm just saying, well, although it sounds like it's Carolina bus for him, but uh the, you know what I mean? Like, I, I absolutely think so. But I think like, like, I we've talked about, I think your left side is is fine. Your left side doesn't need to be amended, but you need to, you need something. You need to augment that right side in some capacity to add something. What we've been talking about all with the jets for a long time is that depth. And if you can finally find that depth, whether it costs you something significant in terms of a prospect I mean, again, we just, as we've just outlined this out logjam you have on the left side. So maybe one of the prospects in a draft pick gets you someone who is not fitting into somebody else's uh, you know, cap or whatever it's going to be, and you can peel them away and, and really um, strengthen your right side because that's what you need. Because, like I said, I don't see a problem with the left side but I definitely see the right side being an issue for the Jets.
3: I think it, Drew, it ultimately comes down to, look, at. I I think we all agree Chevy did really well on the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. I think, you know, we all like the signings that he made. I don't think any of the signings you were scratching your head, right? Like, Lauren Bersua, you needed a backup goalie, so you went out and you got a guy that's familiar and also had a good year with Vegas. Let's not discount how good he was for Vegas. He was the starting goalie for the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Then they obviously got injured and Aiden Hill took over and did did an amazing job, right? Colin Delia, again, you needed that, like Chevy, this isn't Chevy's first rodeo. Chevy knows what he's doing here. He needed to get a veteran goalie at the HL level. He did that. Axel Janssen-Fialbi, not only did he contribute some offense and provide energy, he was a fan favorite. The Jets, not that he, Chevy makes his decisions based on that, but Axel Janssen-Fialbi, good move for the fourth line. Um, Nemesnikov, a guy that can play second line center, can play second line wing, most likely is going to be a third line player. I would imagine with yeah. like, I mean, assuming Cole Perfetti's healthy Perfetti and, and Velarde, you assume are going to be second line guys. Right. Yeah. But Nemesnikov, good signing. So these are all good signings, but I think you have to, you have to factor in, you know, this team has to be much better defensively. And again, I come back to that because the offense is going to come with Shifley and Ehlers and Connor and Velarde and it goes on and on and on. But the Jets can't be that team that they were the last three years where you try to outscore your problems. That's what it is. And I realize that Rick Bonus is a coach, you know, that can can figure out how to, you know, get the best out of his team defensively. You Look what he did with Dallas. They were a very good defensive team. Um, but it ultimately comes down to the Jets are going to have to change the way they play. And we'll, at, we'll ask Murad about it. Because that's my biggest concern. I'm not concerned. Cole Perfetti, if he's healthy next year, Dave, 50 to 60 points, easy for Perfetti. Velarde, I could see him getting up to 50 to 60 points, whether it's up the middle or on the wing. Nemesnikov, I think, gives you some good offense. Ayafalo can chip in, you know, 15 goals, 30 points, something like that. I'm not concerned about the offense on this Jets team. It's uh, It's the defense that I'm more concerned about.
2: When we come back, we head out to Jets development camp. Morata Atesh of The Athletic joins us to talk about the offseason, the development camp, and everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, and empty screen. Empty screen. You're looking great today. I think you've been very articulate. You wouldn't it be a amazing if points.
0: wouldn't it be amazing if a bird landed on Ezzy's mic right now and all of a sudden just started chirping?
2: I'm just sort of expecting at some point in time or another, like you're gonna see some sort of like hawk like swoop in and just smash him in the face. Or, I haven't or, seen or any or hawks like out here.
3: You saw you see bald eagles for sure, though.
2: Okay, well, I'm willing and to I'm not take talking a- about Eddie Belfour. I'm willing to take a bald eagle flying in and and smacking you right right in the noggin. I mean, it would be, you know, I wouldn't be happy that you'd be potentially injured, but I would be happy that you would provide us with comedy so it's sort of, I'm I'm torn a little bit about that, you know, uh, speaking of comedy, I want to say a big thank you to our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club for having us out there on Thursday as judges in the Winnipeg's Funniest Person with a Day Job contest, all the contestants did a great job and somehow your future in that contest was put in the hands of us three yutzes, uh, so we'd apologize for that but uh, kudos to all the contestants kudos to those who moved on to the semi-final and uh, kudos to you Ezzy, for your love of regular porn that was uh, very important I think for us to find out that night
3: (laughs) yeah you're referencing uh, Daryl Purvis who uh, was interacting with that fan the uh, young Eugene Levy if you guys remember (laughs) obviously you remember you were there Uh, but yeah that was a ton of fun Uh, as you mentioned judging Winnipeg's funniest person with the J-job Uh, some funny comedians, and obviously that plate of nachos, Drew, that me and you demolished. Uh, We we we, did a good job on that. I'd say we ate probably 80% of that plate of nachos. Mm -hmm. But for anybody who's been to Rumors, and obviously if you haven't, we recommend you go immediately, buy your tickets right now at RumorsRestaurantAndComedyClub.com.
2: RumorsComedyClub.com, but close.
3: Okay, Rumors Comedy Club, sorry, RumorsComedy.com, buy your tickets. Club RumorsComedyClub.com. RumorsComedyClub.com, Jordan Rock, Chris Rock's brother is coming up, uh, so get your tickets now. But if you've ever been to Rumors and had the nachos, you know what I'm talking about. It's a massive plate of nachos, delicious. Drew and I put some chicken on there, it was terrific.
2: Yeah, we put the chicken on there to make sure that Dave, when he showed up a few minutes after us, would be unable to eat any of that because you can't mix the milk and the meat, as you know, with in, in the Manouk household. Uh, so Ezzy and I, with some strategic, logical thinking there to keep the nachos for ourselves and keep Dave shunted to the outside. Good thinking there, Ed Ginsburg. I'm proud of you for that one. Well, Dave
3: M had his cheese pizza. He was good.
2: He was happy. He was happy. Uh, the segment, obviously, brought to you by our friends at Rumors Restaurant Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, and of course, Zapia Group Realty. We thank all of our regular sponsors for their support of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and the Illegal Curve Post Game Show, which is coming up in mere months from now. So we look forward to bringing you another season of post game shows, including some live on location ones at Boston Pizza. More details to come there. Oh, there you go, Nicole. She's never been. In there, but her daughter's social is there next Saturday. So there you go. We look forward to uh, welcoming, uh, the people at Rumors look forward to welcoming you and your daughter for her wedding social there next Saturday. By the way, uh, Drew,
3: Marat just texted me. I'm not sure. I can't see behind the scenes. Only you guys can see what's happening behind the scenes. So I don't I don't think Marat's there yet, but he texted me about eight minutes ago saying that he made the executive decision to go to Tim Hortons. So he might be a little bit held up because obviously, as we mentioned, he's going to be at Jets Development Camp Right, uh, out at Hockey for All Center, not Iceplex. Hockey right. for All Center. So I think Marat should be joining us shortly. He and I go. were he
0: and I were strategizing where, as where, where he should set up. I suggested the restaurant on the second floor, but maybe it was a, it's, I suspect there will be a big crowd today at uh, at the arena. So uh, maybe there's A yeah, uh, big news. crowd. Even though
3: you're not going to be there, Dave. I just assume that you're. You know, the Dave M Mafia follows you wherever <laughs> you go.
2: No, 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 no. But it has been, you know, they, they've done a nice job with uh, with development camp this 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 uh, go around. First of all, it's the first development camp in a number of years. But I know that all the, the you know the engagement has been terrific, and it's nice to see things like that. And I, I you know the the cynical side of me says, of course, you know, right now they're uh, they're happy to engage with the public, but once they become actual regular NHLers, uh, the engagement level goes down dramatically. But for the time being, I will put aside my cynicism and say it's nice to see that. I know Bailey he has been getting uh, uh, some autographs. Bailey's been down there on the regular. Uh, so it is nice to see uh, that they've been uh, spending some quality time with the fan base and everything else. And I'm sure it's a thrill for the young players as well. We're pleased to welcome to the program from uh, the uh, Jets development camp, joining us live, Murat Tesh of The Athletic. Good morning, good sir. How are things?
4: Good morning, Drew. Good morning, Illegal Curve. I just want to I want to talk. I want to start with a cautionary tale. I want to start with a cautionary tale about uh, people who are not always early for things, who if you are one of those people like me this morning and you have the opportunity to be 15 minutes early for something. Mm-hmm. And then you have a daydream about like, what if I got a coffee? I'm so early. I'm so 15 minutes early for this show that I must have time to do everything else on my to-do list right now. Don't listen. Don't listen. I'm sorry, guys. I just got caught in the Tim Hortons line outside the Iceplex here. Um, And I've been keeping you waiting in your beautiful, sunny, cottage-looking places like Ezzy and your fire and... Uh, You know, I just I just wanted to start with that if you'd give me that.
3: Well, Murad, I just wanted to be closer to your hometown of beautiful Pinawa, right? So that's why I I was going to do the show with you at Hockey for All Center. But I just decided I wanted to be in the Eastman region out here in Lactabani slash Pinawa. So and by the way, you can be late anytime you want.
2: Yeah. It's, it's okay we
3: start that we start the show late every week marat so yeah we good. do
2: start the show every week uh every week we start the show late so you know, really you're you're fine show up whenever you want we don't really care we're gonna be here you know as long as it's before 11 yeah. o'clock then, we're just then, happy you know, to you're... talk
3: to someone who isn't one of the three of us marat to be honest with you True. so we're happy well, that you're hey, here even if it's five minutes late i
4: appreciate it very much and your your uh, setup near my hometown looks absolutely gorgeous i hope you see some deer
2: I have deer in my front yard on the regular basis, but that's a separate issue entirely. We'll talk about instead uh, (laughs) hockey because, you know, I think that's why people are tuned in, not our nature programming. Uh, Murad, obviously our first time to really chat with you since uh, the Dubois trade happened, since the Wheeler trade happened, since free agency happened last Saturday. What is your impression of where the Jets sit currently with the current roster if training camp were to start next week, for example?
4: If you started training camp, Drew, and you put Mark Scheifele as your number one center and Connor Hellebuck as your number one goaltender, and you go through the pieces, and you know behind that you have Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers and Gabriel Vellardi and Cole Perfetti and Nemestikov signed the defense last year. I mean, Brendan Dillon had a particularly good season. Josh Morrissey had a legendary season. Um, Connor Hellebuck has taken teams much worse than this to the precipice of the postseason. If there were no other shoes to drop or that concern about what the long-term future is like, you'd go into this season thinking like, hey, there's a chance to make the playoffs and maybe, maybe if everybody hits, and that's a lot of ifs, if, if Cole Perfetti takes the next steps, if Gabriel Velarde doubles down on his breakout season last year, if all of those things work out, if they keep Hellebuck and Shifley all year, no guarantees there, you'd see the chance to win playoff rounds. Round perhaps <laughs> a chance even at that. Um, so I'm, I'm impressed with what shovel Dayoff has done thus far, specifically with that Dubois trade and the package that he got for it. I think we all know that it's still in flux though, at least in the long enough time frame, And there's some concern about that.
3: We're on, I'm going to get right into the hard hitting questions here because right before we had you on, We were talking about based on these moves, so including the Dubois trade, including, you know, re-signing Nemesnikov, re-signing, I guess, re-signing Axel Jansson-Fialbi, even though technically it wasn't a re-signing. I guess Nemesnikov wasn't either, but, you know, you could factor in bringing in Lauren Bressois as a backup to Hellebuck, all the moves that Chevy has made basically since right before the draft. Um, is this team better? And my argument was, I still have some concerns about the, the the defense and also team defense, not necessarily just one or two individual players. But I wanted to ask you about that second line. And obviously we're going to be talking about this. You know, you make your weekly appearance on Winnipeg Sports Talk, you do other media, and obviously, you know, including your work with The Athletic, we're going to be talking about this a lot. But as it stands now, do you see it being Cole Perfetti up the middle on the second line? Do you see it being Gabe Velarde up the middle on the second line? Or Is it like Dave mentioned earlier? Are you going to see both of those guys and whoever basically performs better is who eventually becomes the long-term second-line center?
4: I think that you will see both of those guys at least get a look. And I also think you'll see Nemesnikov get a look. I think that you're going to see a little bit of... You know, especially the way that Rick Bonus ran his bench last year, where, for example, Cole Perfetti might be a top six left wing for most of the game. And then partway through the third period, he got bumped down. Somebody else got bumped up. Now, with the added depth of having an Alex Ziafalo type option, who's excellent at that sort of thing, you might imagine, you know, a little bit more flexibility that way. So I don't think that there's going to be a set in stone option. I do think there's going to be a little competition for that. You might say Villardi's done it more recently at the NHL level playoffs uh, for LA, and that might give him a, a, a good look. But of course, Kevin Shovel Dayoff was talking about Cole Perfetti as a center recently at the draft and free agency as well. So I think they'll get opportunities, and it will be about fits. And if you factor in Rick Bonus and the way that he runs his bench, you're going to see him sort of pick and choose certain moments. We didn't see him trust, you know, young and, you know, smaller Cole Perfetti and some of those defensive zone draws, even when it was his job as the winger just to corral the puck and, and bring it up. So we'll see. Like, I, I, to use a bonus-ism, I think that there will be a lot of flux there uh, as they look for their opportunities and, and, choose, a, and choose a long-term option.
0: Well, let's, let's focus on the future, not the present, not the past although technically the past because they were drafted in the past, but let's focus on the future, which is where you are. Uh, what have been your impressions for the last four hey, days up, of the development the rats camp? in the future? Well, he's future casting right now, Drew.
4: Don't <laughs> interrupt. me. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know what? Um, it's, it's been a really positive time here at development camp. I think that's the takeaway, right? Dave, you and I were chatting about this yesterday and you know, we we've had a chance to be, be around here. And um, the, the, the vibes are good, to be sure. I think the thing that has struck me, and maybe this is just something I think about a lot in life, is when you have players with particular strengths. Um, I look at the way they use those strengths. How do you, um, how do you use the thing that you're good at to help your team, help everybody else, and and bring people in? And Rucker McGrorty, who we've talked about ad nauseum, just the degree to which he's a positive, engaging force. He's full of energy talking to the fans and the and the kids for you know 20 minutes after he gets off the ice, or if not more, and then he comes into the dressing room, does all the media, and he's partnered with Colby Barlow a lot on these things. They're having a good time. I just think it speaks so well of him as a person that his social confidence is being used in a way that brings people in. Colby Barlow is having the time of his life at this camp right now. I guarantee it partly because Rucker McGordy has thrown his arm around him and said, like, come under my wing, let's have some fun with all of this. And that's not the only situation of this. A lot of these guys have started to form these relationships that have, have sort of boiled over into, like, we can see how much fun they're having, like, well after they get off the ice. And I know people want to know what the on-ice impressions are, who looks good, who's the best chance to make the roster and all those sorts of things. I don't think I'm there. I cannot give you more than some broad brush strokes in terms of that because i don't think that's what development camp is about for these guys right now so much as making first impressions getting to know the org and sort of starting their journey in terms of making that dream happen
2: Murat Atesh, our guest, Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Murat is at Hockey for All Center, covering Winnipeg Jets development camp. Murat, considering that you're in the future, apparently, or we're future casting at the very least, what do you see happening with Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck? I look at the signing of Brassois and Delia as potential insulation If the Jets were to trade Hellebuck between now and, say, the start of the season, you could go not with a great combination, but you could go with Brassois and Delia as your goaltending tandem and, you know, sort of hold your breath a little bit. How do you foresee Scheifele and Hellebuck playing out over the rest of this (laughs) offseason?
4: I mean, let me know if there's rink volume at this point. I'll hold the mic closer. You'll have to turn me down, but we've got folks showing up on the ice to my left.
3: You uh, love rink volume, Murad. That's that's fine. That makes that oh. makes for better ambiance. It's it's part of the show. No problem, yeah, sure. man.
4: My dulcet tones are not enough on this one. Um, <laughs> the the shortest answer with these guys, honestly, guys, is that I don't know. Is that is that I don't know what the future is for them. I do not picture Connor Hellebuck as a long-term Winnipeg Jet. I I just don't see it. If you you take him at his word, which I do, that his goal is a Stanley Cup or bust, a retooling team that's pretty good isn't as much of a sell as some of the other options. And I know there's been some talk about, well, he's simply asking too much. A 9.5 ask would be too much for New Jersey to fit in. Why would a team like that spend on him? Well, by next summer, and you have so many multiple bidders and all that sort of thing, um, I don't think he gets his 9.5, but I think he gets paid very, very well and a substantial raise over his uh, 6 right now, maybe 8.5, that sort of deal. I think there are people who are willing to pay. contract. Exactly. That's the sort of thought. And Sorokin's younger and got more Vezina Trophy votes this year um, than, than Connor Hellebuck did, although Hellebuck has done it for longer, and I feel like... Some people will respond to that. That'll be a, a more of a blue chip scenario, even at 30 years old. Um, I think the market will be there for him at some point. So I've floated this idea before that what if, what if Winnipeg starts the season with him in net? his goaltending gives Winnipeg a tremendous chance to get itself into playoff position but it also knows it doesn't want to lose him for nothing. So the trade deadline might be an opportunity to cycle around another trade to a contender if there are some. I keep thinking about New Jersey, but that wouldn't be the only option who could afford him with half his salary paid, half his cap hit eaten up by that stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes sense in terms of a maximizing assets returned for Connor Hellebuck sort of scenario because I know the market or I'm told the market isn't particularly good for him right now. Um, but it also would create this awkward situation of, well, what if Winnipeg was good? Why would you get rid of a, a starting goaltender of that caliber before a playoff run? Brassois gotten the job done for one series, and he was great, but th- there would be so much risk in that. It would be sort of a push-pull of, do you want to lose him for nothing? Do you want to go for this playoff run? What have you? Again, I still see it. I see... A move, whether it's UFA next year or a trade before that in his future. Shifley, I'm even less sure, but I could see a world in which there's an extension there. I'm just not sure about that for sure. Sure.
3: Yeah, I, I think you broke it down really well there. And Murad, I wanted to ask you about Nick Ehlers because it seems like, you know, I, I mentioned this to Dave, I think it was a week ago, a few weeks ago, something like that. Like, he's a guy that you don't really... No one really talks about that often. And, and I think, you know, you would agree that he's arguably... The most skilled player on the team, or at the very least, he's one of the top skilled players on the team. But as you know, last year was difficult for him with the sports hernia surgery. You know the other injuries. You know he didn't he didn't play much more than half of a season. He played well when he did play. But the question I wanted to ask you is how important do you view him in terms of the team success? And I, I think that could be fairly obvious for a lot of people, right? Like you want Ehlers to be healthy for the majority of the season, just like you want Kyle Connor. Healthy, Gabe Velarde, Josh Morrissey. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But I guess I, I feel like with all of the injury problems that Ehlers has had over the years, he must be viewing this season as like this. This has got to be the season that I that ha- that I'm completely healthy. Especially with Pierre Luc Dubois traded with the Blake Wheeler buyout, I would assume that he is so excited to get going and possibly have a career year if he's able to stay healthy the full year.
4: Yeah, I mean, gosh, what a what a quality of player. What an unfortunate situation, him missing, you know, the playoffs as he did, and you know, so much of them. Um, the sports hernia surgery situation. It's it's it was impressive he came back as well as he did because other people in that scenario, Andrew Cop, for one example, took a long time, and I think it caught up to Ealers at some point. I don't think that has anything to do with the injury that kept him out of the playoffs, but I do think that it was a challenge to get back up to his speed. He's going to be so important because no matter how you draw up the Winnipeg Jets lines without Dubois there, without Dubois there, you need you need somebody who you can genuinely believe is going to tilt the ice. And whether it's through bronze or brains or speed or skill or whatever else it is, you need to look at that lineup and believe somebody's going to get the puck to the other end of the ice and do good things with it there. He's a sure bet at that. And yes, he drives like some people crazy in terms of you can't always predict what he's going to do. If you're Mark Scheifele looking for passes into the middle of the ice, Ehlers doesn't time those as well as Kyle Connor does, for example. But by volume, the overall effect of what happens when Nikolai Ehlers plays hockey is the puck gets to the other end of the ice and Winnipeg creates offense. And his ability to stay healthy, like that type of consistency... Will have everything to do with Winnipeg's ability to consistently create at five on five as it's trying to break in, you know, perfetti into a feature role. Velarde, we've talked about it, all of that, and uh, even even Kyle Connor can benefit from somebody who gets the puck into the other end as quick as he is. Um, you know, the offensive chops really require somebody who can do that. So I, I think. You know, people, old school people scoff at the term puck transporter, but that's what he is. He gets the puck from one end to the other, and that's incredibly important for this year's Jets.
3: That seems like a futuristic term right there, Murat, puck transporter. (laughs) That's something that future hockey players would be called.
2: i Yeah, make a Jason Statham
3: movie out of it.
2: Yeah, you could. You could definitely (sighs) make a Jason Statham movie out of it. I I think you're onto something there. Murat, Atesh, our guest Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Murat joining us live from Winnipeg Jets Development Camp. All
0: right, Murat, you said you didn't want to uh, give too much of your on-ice assessment from development camp, but I'm just going to ask you specifically if there's anything that has caught your eye. I mean, we've been wowed by Nikita Chibrikov. Elias Salamonsen has, yeah. has made some nice uh, impressions, but maybe what, one or two players that have just kind of caught your eye throughout the course of, the, of this past week.
4: Yeah, Salamonsen just looks smooth, comfortable confident out there I I really look forward to seeing what he can do with the full healthy year again we're talking about health but you know in in Sweden again I think he's somebody that the organization views really quite optimistically and in terms of their long-term future that's an interesting one for me Um, Fabian Wagner I thought was uh, was interesting in a couple of drills like again they're they're doing this the maximum defense is three on three, and usually it's far less than that, right? So problem solving takes a backseat towards just puck touches and familiarity. There are some little habits that you see, and, you know, they do a couple of drills. Well, they'll just chip a puck into a, into a corner to start a drill. Then somebody picks up the puck, centers it or moves it or what have you. And one of the things you can tell is who is committed, at least without any pressure on their back, um, to shoulder check on their way into the corner and, and to get a lay of the land elsewhere in the zone. Right. And it's something at the NHL level. That's so important. Josh Morrissey does it. Well, Dylan Sandberg impressed with that. I'm um, in the AHL level. Villa Hanel is phenomenal at it. Declan Chisholm's phenomenal at it. Just go into the corner, know what the, what the landscape is so that when you get the puck, you're not thinking or waiting or watching. And there's some guys, Solomon's been good at that. Fabian Wagner. That's why I bring up his name. I, I just as a forward going into the, um, going into the corner and, 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 finding his options. Um, that's something you can tell when players have played at a high level versus not. And you can see Rucker sort of thing as well. And I think that's more about habits uh, at, at this stage. And I appreciate them. But again, if there were five guys out there, maybe some people's habits would change.
2: Murat, I believe you tweeted about this. Samberg gets a two-year contract, $1.4 per year. Uh, I think I'm with you. If I recall your tweet, you were sort of surprised that it was only two years in length, uh, given his track record, albeit a one-year track record. Do you want to maybe a- 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 expand on your thoughts regarding your surprise about the Sandberg contract?
4: Yeah, I mean, gosh, $1.4 for Dylan Sandberg, good. He gets a, a modest raise, and no matter how you draw up the Winnipeg Jets' defense score, he's going to provide better value to the Jets than that $1.4 even if, they, again, he's the third pairing shelter D and the logjam doesn't clear, he's going to provide at least that and probably much more in terms of quality play. And you can feel confident in the Winnipeg Jets that you signed a player to a good value deal. But I've been around this block a few times, and I'm getting skeptical every time I see this pattern happen, where uh, a young restricted free agent signs a deal that expires one year before UFA status with arbitration rights. That was the play Jacob Truba did to sort of get himself in a position to be traded the year before he became UFA. It was Andrew Kopp's path as well. And I know people have different opinions about whether he would have stayed or not. I think that was Andrew Kopp's path. That's my impression. We've seen Winnipeg Jets and Pierre-Luc Dubois recently was on the one-year deal sort of program to get um, to within one year of unrestricted free agency. And what that does is it gives a player so much power. All they have to do is file for arbitration. It guarantees a one-year contract. Boom, they're an unrestricted free agent the next year. Even if they stay, that's a substantial raise. And I just think some of this is me having seen this pattern play out with players in different individual circumstances than Dylan Sandberg is. But if you look at the fact he'll become an unrestricted free agent in 2025 and be able to do that play again... It just means to me, even if he stays, then that next contract's going to be maybe more expensive than it needed to be. If Winnipeg had the opportunity, and I don't know that they did, if Dylan Sandberg was open to this. If you could have gone four or five, et cetera, years on this player, I believe in him so much. I think he would have gotten tremendous value over the long haul.
3: Yeah, and that was going to be my question, Murad. I was going to follow up and ask you if you know you've talked to anybody either in the Jets organization, close to the Jets organization, Uh, outside of the Jets organization, I guess, if that was an option. Because I remember we were talking about this, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago, six weeks ago. And, you know, I liked the idea of signing Sandberg to four or five years for all the reasons that you outlined, right? Then you buy up a UFA year. And also, I think at this point, don't you know what Dylan Sandberg is? Yes, he's only played one full season in the NHL. But I think you would agree with, you know, his years of college hockey with Minnesota Duluth his years in the american hockey league like this is a veteran pro player at this point and i think everybody expects him to be you know a staple of the jets top six so i agree with you in terms of you know maybe hoping that the jets sign him to you know a four or five year deal
4: yeah i i haven't spoken to anybody who's giving me the inside scoop on on the lengths discussed or anything to that effect so to be clear, you know, I bring it up as a concern, but I don't know it was on, a, on the table to go that long term. For me, the only question left about Dylan Sandberg's career path is can he do it in a top four role? And I think he right. can, but mm-hmm. as, I, as I repeat myself, and I've written this uh, at the site too, the way that defensive coaches are able to use minutes, top, the top pairing and the second pairing, the type of minutes they get, quite similar to each other. There's just too many first, second, third line forwards of quality to go around. If you're on the second pair, you're still getting a heavy dose of the other team's best players. You can't really shelter that. And Winnipeg doesn't. It really hasn't. But that third pairing, you can protect a little bit. And they did it with Logan Stanley in his rookie season. It was incredibly sheltered. His results were wonderful. They did it with Tucker Pullman once upon a time, incredibly sheltered back when the team was so deep. Pardon me. And the, the results were wonderful. Sandberg on that third pair, primarily with Nate Schmidt, didn't have to play against the type of competition with the type of consistency that Josh Morrissey or Brendan Dillon or Dylan DeMell or Neil Pionk had to. I believe he can get to that. I believe he just had an excellent season. When you watch by the eye test and you look at the way he picks up pucks, where it, the way that... When teams overlap and they cycle and they make their switches, he doesn't get lost the way that some of the other younger D do. Like Logan Stanley doesn't handle that situation as well as Dylan Sandberg does. There are so many micro moments within the game that give you confidence he can be a top four D. But just because he was awesome last year as a third pair does not guarantee it. If you're Winnipeg, cool, 1.4 or even two or whatever, you'd be willing to bet on a player long-term. If the worst case is a third pair D, great. You're set for life, right? If you're Dylan Sandberg, though, and you believe maybe you can get into that role and show everybody that, hey, you can do that, maybe two-year betting on yourself, you've emerged as a tough D who to they count on to play big minutes, big PK minutes. Maybe you can, you know, get closer to four or something at that time. I'm just making numbers up. And that could be an incentive there, too.
2: Before the doors open at uh, at the former Iceplex, Murad, I got a one last question for you. On July 26 2021... Kevin Off acquired Brendan Dillon. On July 27th, 2021, Kevin Off acquired Nate Schmidt. Should we be looking at past history and past activity as maybe a guiding light for how the Jets are going to maybe address the logjam on the back end? Do you see them doing something over the course of the next few weeks similar to what they did in acquiring Schmidt and Dillon in 2021?
4: Uh, the city in me says there have been so many summers where the July move is, you know, Mark Letestu, Matt Hendricks, or Sam Gagne. You know what I mean? Like, I we haven't seen as many midsummer moves as that particular year. However, Shevoldayov did give us a little bit of breadcrumbs the other day, saying, well, like, you know, a long runway between now and training camp when, when he was asked about the logjam on defense. So mm-hmm. I don't know how active or how close or anything things are on that front. I have the door open in my mind that it's at least possible that something does happen that clears either a veteran or even one of the young guys, you know, Logan Stanley or Villa Handler or what have you, um, to, to sort of change the look, give people some more opportunity, maybe even clear some cap space, um, though they're not desperate for it. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's a lock, but I think that that is something that would be actively discussed. So if there is a move, then, you know, we I, we can pretend that we weren't surprised by it, I guess.
3: <laughs> Murad, because you can go to the future, what will Drew be eating for lunch July 28th, 2025? Uh, you know, that illegal curve
4: sandwich at the deli, I think, uh, has his name on it. I might walk by uh, down the streets, you know, across the window, he'll see me. He won't say hi. Uh, but...
2: I'm waving right now. Look, I'm <laughs> waving. I'm, wa- I'm blowing kisses. Mwah. Mwah. I do. I'm hugging, I'm cheering, everything.
3: The By the way, Murad, if you ever rips. venture into River Heights, let me know because I'll treat you to an illegal curve sandwich at, at Bernstein's Deli. I know the owner, so I will mm-hmm. I will hook you up. We have this on
4: record now, folks. We have it on record. I want that.
3: We wave in River Heights. In Crescentwood, you know, Drew's in his little protected <laughs> little, you know, upper upper class bubble, but in us working class folk, Dave and I in River Heights, we walk the mean streets every single day. So we're very friendly and we wave and we acknowledge our Illegal Curve guests, as, as opposed to Drew who doesn't like to be you know, bothered in his little Crescentwood domain. For,
2: yeah. Uh-oh. For the record, Dave and Murat, you're welcome at my house anytime you want. Ginsburg, if you step foot on my property, security has been alerted and is ready and armed and dangerous. Murat, thank you. We'll let you get to the start of development camp. Uh, say hi to all the paparazzi and uh, make sure you sign your autograph legibly when the fans come up to you uh, throughout the course of the morning.
4: Oh my goodness, thanks Drew, thanks everybody, thanks for having me guys Cheers Marat. love you.
2: Cheers, there he goes Murat Atesh, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We go to break and come back with more Jets talk. Hour number two up next, Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk Ezra Ginsberg, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show
4: Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30
2: years Rumors, Canada's longest running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends, or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew,
3: I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably.
2: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all.
3: Yes. Please call Rollie's and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy.
0: Rollie's Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollie's, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit rollies.com.
2: Hey, Drew. Ezzy! whoa, what a smile. Yeah,
3: I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so
2: bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard.
0: Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com.
4: Boston Pizza harnessed Fatalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza,
2: powered by
4: Fatalytics.
2: Welcome back. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, enjoying the splendor of our indoor uh, accommodations. Dr. Ginsberg has left again and is now Coming back, I, I did not realize, Asy, that you're wearing a T-shirt with a massive donut on it. That's very I sure odd am, point. Drew. I sure am. I appreciate that T-shirt. That's a good quality T-shirt. I give you a thumbs up for that T-shirt. I
3: also ate a donut this morning. Did you really? Yep. Yeah, we had some Timbits. Uh, we hit up Tim Hortons, but well, Naomi and the kids hit up Tim Hortons before we came out here because we took separate cars because Naomi doesn't like to be in the same car as me when we drive out to the cottage for obvious reasons the BO is what I'm talking about here so they picked up a little bit of uh, Tim Hortons, Dave M's trying really hard not to laugh, I don't know why Dave M's being so serious maybe he's playing chess online, I have no idea but uh,
2: I I didn't have that same problem, I was laughing
3: popped a couple Tim bits in my mouth and uh, yeah, we're ready to go here, I had to get some more coffee, that's what I do during the breaks, I run from the patio here I, I guess the deck, not the patio, I'm not at Moxie's right now um, but uh, yeah, I just went to go get a, a bit of coffee and sorry, I timed the commercial breaks poorly.
2: That's okay. We'll forgive you this time. Dave M you had some uh, late night moose news last night. Maybe you want to share with the audience if they haven't uh, necessarily caught up on that.
0: That's, that's a good point, Drew. That's absolutely a good point. The, the there's never, it's never a time not to have some moose news. If if you know what I'm saying,
3: put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk moose Minute on the illegal curve hockey show it's been a while since i've
0: been able to do that so i needed the intro i couldn't sure, just i feel like it off.
3: dave hits that intro like he just does that in his spare time by himself like he just oh, does his own no little zoom shows it. and he hits the intro
2: i think hey, when i can't
0: always... when i when i can't fall asleep at night actually what i do is i just go to that and i clip it and just listen to it on repeat on, yeah, repeat,
2: on repeat some people count sheep dave just no. uh here's the, yeah. the, the, the the moose, moose call interrupts. puts me
0: right to sleep it's like no. sleep like a baby uh, no, the moose. Uh, the, the news is that CJC's, as the folks in the chat are uh writing about, is going to be back in the fold. Awesome, never, never connect, never. Great news. Not I didn't come. know that.
3: Did we post that on the website? We
0: did very late at night, 12
3: o'clock. Uh, I was pres- playing Categories uh last night, so I must have missed that.
0: Cool, okay. Categories,
3: yeah, great game.
0: Actually, it's a great game. I actually yeah. love yeah. Scattergories. Yeah. I used to play that badou- with my Baba.
3: The big Manook family yeah. uh, game yeah. is the I was category. dominating when we got to W yesterday. I really am good with the W. Now, Ezzy, when we you play, play those letters, you... but the W, I was just. When you play though, do you,
0: do you allow the double score? So if there's a word that oh, yeah. has. Okay, good. That yeah, oh, yeah. sure. I once
2: used Porno for Pyros as the name of a band, and my brother yeah. was not familiar with Porno for Pyros. What
3: do yeah, mean, that's Jane's uh, uh, Addiction.
2: Yeah. Terry Farrell. Terry Farrell, yeah. Terry Farrell, the guy I, I, who
3: uh, invented Lollapalooza.
2: Yeah, my, my grandmother was unaware of Jane's addiction and porno for pyros, is the point of my story. And, I, you know, I well, just, you know,
0: let's get back to the moose because I don't really want to hear about your grandmother. You downloaded porno for pyro? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was before the internet days, I can assure you.
0: Anyways, the point is CJC, so let's bring it back to the Minnesota kid who's back in the fold, the 2014 fifth rounder. We were all there, the three of us in Philadelphia, when he got drafted. Uh, so he is back in the well, fold. We were
2: there he, of when CJ course... we Franklin got drafted, if you that's really want to go point.
0: back. That's true. In 2017, he changed his name to Cease, that's his mother's name. So, CJ Cease is back in the fold. He signed a two year deal with the Moose, hasn't been officially announced by the team. Expect that, uh, probably Monday, but CJ Cease's agency announced it a few days ago. So, uh, he'll be back. It's a two year deal, uh, at the HL level. He signed as a free agent with the San Jose Sharks after playing for the Jets. Uh, Moose organization. He got four games with the Jets at the NHL level, played one game for San Jose. Most of his games played with uh, the Barracuda last season, but he'll be back in the fold. So it's a two-year deal for him. So nice signing for the Jets and, and by the Moose story. And like I said, it, it helps insulate because it's going to be a young prospect group potentially as he with the Chaz Luciuses, the Brad Lamberts, uh, Nikita Chibrikovs. A lot of people are excited about Nikita Chibrikov. He's, he's, he has dazzled quite a bit. He's shown some uh, ingenuity. He's not the biggest guy but he's definitely got some moves here at development camp. So uh, there's, you're going to, but you need to sprinkle those guys in and people were uh, lamenting already, of course, because that's what people do about the, the addition of a guy, uh, you know, who's going to block the path potentially. But I, as I said to the, to them on Twitter last night, I said, look, Moose scratched Jimmy Oleny, who's the captain who also, of course we should mention drew was resigned uh, this week. He, the captain was signed for a, to a one year deal by Manitoba. That one is official, but when the Jets needed to scratch or the Moose story needed to scratch a veteran, they scratched the captain of the team in order to play the Simon Lundmarks, the Tyrell Bowers and those types of guys, Declan Chisholms, in order to get the young guys, the game. So the fact of the matter is that the, uh, the Moose have shown ability to let the, the kids play if they can. And and like I said, that's, it'll be a benefit. So having a guy like Cease, who's a capable AHLer, uh along with the ton and whomever else is going to be sprinkled in there as a, as a uh, veteran presence with those young Ashton guys Ashton Sautner Ashton Sautner for sure but uh yeah I think it'll be a good way to help these guys especially look you've got guys like Daniel Torgeson and Henry Nicken, and who are ready to you know really take on a role with this Moose team as well as like I said the Brad Lamberts and all the other young prospects Fabian
3: Wagner's another guy right Dave I'm not well, he's sure going back you... to,
0: he's going back to oh, Sweden he? next year oh, yeah okay. I thought yeah. because and...
3: of, as he signed a deal I thought he was going to play for the Moose but
0: yeah, I think I I believe he's going back. I, I mean, you never know. As I shouldn't say that. You know, there's a lot of guys who like I know, like like we talked about with Murad, Elias Salamonsen, Anton Johansson, who I spoke with yesterday. He's going back to Sweden. He's take he's going up a level. He's a smaller defenseman, but he'll be up. But look, Dimitri Kuzmin. There's gonna be a lot of you know, and potentially Danny like you said, Gilkin. it's gonna be a
3: much younger team. I mean, it was a young yeah. team last year, Dave. Right? And yeah, and it's gonna be even younger with like you said, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius. Could be Danny uh,
0: Zilkin. I mean, like, there's a lot right. of there's a lot of possibilities uh, with and, and a lot of fun young prospects for for Jets fans to come and watch uh, at Moose games uh, next season. That's, that's great news point. about
3: CJ I I I don't want to make this the Ginsburg Moose minute, but also I have some some Moose news. Next week is the Hockey Manitoba HP One HP standing for high performance. So that's the coaches who are trying to get to that top level. Uh, the keynote the speaker will be Zinger. Craig Heisinger will be the keynote speaker of the Hockey Manitoba HP1 seminar at Canada's Polo Park. So that's a little uh, Manitoba moose news as it relates to my employer, Hockey Manitoba.
2: I was always more an A1 sauce guy than an HP sauce guy when it came to steak. I'm not sure if you guys had the same sort of uh, thing growing up, but I was more of an A1. We were more of an A1 family than an HP than an HP family. But uh, I think I digress a little bit uh, on that front. Sure, do you but like what,
3: Worcestershire sauce?
2: Uh, in a Caesar I mean, it's not something I'm going around drinking on a regular basis or anything. But in, you know, if I'm having a Caesar, which I don't regularly have, have I'll add a couple drops of that to uh, to uh, you know give uh, spice it up a yeah. little bit. Along with some I'm all about tabasco. the sriracha.
3: I mean, I, I could bathe in sriracha.
2: Okay. Well, that's an image that we, none of us needed on this Saturday morning. So uh, we'll move on with that. But what I wanted to say is, and it chagrins me to do this, but kudos to Dave Manuk for all the great interviews he's conducted at uh, Development Camp this week. And those are all available both on our YouTube channel and on the website, illegalcurve.com. So if you need to catch up on any of the interviews that have been conducted with some of the young Jets prospects, you can check it out in both of those spots. Uh, you know, and kudos to Dave uh, for doing a good job there. Uh, let me ask you guys this as we are sort of talking about the Jets forward group for next year. One player that I think is really important that really is not getting any discussion uh, this offseason as far as I've heard, that's because he's under contract for another year, is Nino Niederreiter. I mean, Nino Niederreiter, to me, is a guy who's going to have a big impact on this Jets forward group next year. Now, he's not going to be the headline guy, but Nino Niederreiter is a guy that basically succeeds everywhere he goes in the NHL. At all of his different stops, he's been a successful component uh, to to a lineup. And he can play up and down the lineup. I see a lot of depth charts that have him more as a third-line guy than, say, a top-six guy. But I think that sort of speaks to the improved depth of the Jets in that almost the second and third lines a little bit have some ability to, for guys to move up and down and really can be uh, a little bit interchangeable uh, as needed. But to me, and I wanted your guys' thoughts on this, Nino Niederrider is a is a key member of the Jets forward group moving forward for next year.
3: Yeah, and you know, I hate to tap, pat myself on the back, but if you go back last summer, he was one of the players that I was hoping the Jets would sign in UFA. I'd have to go back and find the exact show. But the two guys that I uh, singled out were Nino Niederreiter and Mason Marchment. Marchment obviously didn't have the best season with Dallas, but obviously before that he had his career year with the Florida Panthers. So, you know, Drew, how high I am on, on Niederreiter, not high on anything else, just high on, on Nino Niederreiter. So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, getting... Oh, so
2: wait till 10.15 tonight and then we'll oh. then we'll ask that question again. No,
3: but the, the fact that, what did the Jets give up? Was it a, a fourth round pick? No, to get what, Nino Niederreiter, wasn't it?
2: I, I thought it was a second round pick, if I recall correctly, Dave. You Dave can... saying fourth.
3: No, 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 it was second.
0: It was yeah, uh, 2024. Was...
2: Okay, so t- sorry, that's my mistake. That's 2024. remember they got,
0: they got they got that back in the in the trade for the um, trade. Bois trade,
3: yeah. Right. So second round pick in 2024 for Nino Niederreiter with an extra year left on his contract. I think still is an amazing feat by Chevy. It really is, right? And we talked about it. Considering you know what they got for Tanner Jano from the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, I would argue that Niederreiter is a more impactful player than Jano. I like Jano; he's a you know good young player. But the fact that Jets didn't have to give up a roster player last year, I just thought it, it, it was worth Drew mentioning again how impressive that was to get Niederreiter for a second round pick, and it wasn't even in, at the 2023 draft; it was the mm-hmm. following year, right? So yeah, Niederreiter is a great player. I mean, he's an established NHL player; like he's a big guy. He's a, he's got a good shot. I think the thing with Niederreiter has always been, you know, like a lot of NHL players that aren't 80 plus point players is that, you know, he can go cold. He can go for streaks where, you know, he doesn't produce a lot offensively. He's a guy that goes to the net hard. He's a guy that can finish checks. He's a pest. You know, he's not he's not at the same level as Brad Marchand. He's not at the same level as Matthew Kachuk, but he has that element to his game which I think, you know, Chevy likes, Rick Bonus likes. So yeah. Right. I think Ryder could easily play on the wing in the top six. He could easily play on the third line, and I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the improved depth. Are you as good up the middle as you were last year? No, because you don't have Pierre-Luc Dubois up the middle. Pierre-Luc Dubois was the best player clearly in that trade, but Gabe Vallardi can obviously play second-line center. He can also play on the right side on the second line, but there's options. Basically, you're looking at Cole Perfetti, Gabe Vallardi. Uh, or Vlad Nemestikov up the middle as it stands now. And then Niederreiter, yeah, he could play with Adam Lowry on the third line. And maybe you've got Alex Iofalo there. Uh, Alex Iofalo is a left winger, right? So there's a lot of machinations here with the Jets. But yes, Niederreiter, Drew, is a guy that hasn't been talked uh, about a lot. But yes, he will definitely play in the top nine. I can't tell you exactly, you know, if he's going to play more on the second line, you know, with with Gabe Velarde or maybe it's Cole Perfetti. I have no idea. Rick bonus is obviously going to figure that out, you know, in training camp and in the early part of next regular season, but there's no doubt that Niederreiter is going to be a key part of the offense and a key part of of the jets forward group. He's a good player. He's He's a veteran player. That's that has a lot of experience. I don't know how many games I'm going to guess, you know, four or 500 games of, of NHL experience. He's a good player. And I, I really like that acquisition. I like that acquisition as much as I did, the day that Chevy made it. And I think when he made that trade, we all liked it too.
2: 810 games at the NHL level. So you there you go. So I was it a little, little light little there. Games. I was
3: light by 300 games.
2: <laughs> it's okay. It's uh it, it's, you know, it, it was a good effort nonetheless. Dave, he's an interior player on a team that has too often been exterior players. And I mean, you know, Mark Shifley, I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's this, of course the design show. Well, no, it's not a design show. I'm not going to get into interior design talk. Drew is a but,
3: Photoshop enthusiast.
2: Uh, no, Dave is a Photoshop enthusiast. Dave is actually a... a he's a terrorist when it comes to Photoshop. <laughs> he's if, like, you don't folks, push me here, Drew. I well, I'm telling Dave you, folks, can,
3: Dave can assassinate you with one image.
2: He has a database of, of photos that can be used for evil at the drop of a hat. Let me tell you, he he looks like such a nice guy. Looks like such a nice, friendly guy, but he will cut you with his Photoshop skills in the blink of an eye. He's a he's an absolute he's absolutely reckless at times. But Dave is a if,
3: magician with that magic wand tool.
2: What I was saying is that on a team of exterior players yeah. especially Mark Shifley who was the leading goal scorer on this team last year you mm-hmm. know Niederreiter should be as a, an example of a of where you need to go to score goals can you imagine Mark Shifley's skill set if he wanted to be a more interior player as well you know it, it would elevate his game even higher it would yeah. elevate his impact even higher you know that to me is—I mean, we've talked about this for years. So this isn't this isn't new territory we, we're hashing over. But if Mark Shifley decides that he doesn't want to listen to Adam Oates anymore, he doesn't want to listen to the false prophet that has been Adam Oates, and wants to be an interior player. A false he's, prophet, Drew. Wow. He's going to—he would be an absolute he has the potential to be a dominant force at both ends of the ice. If he actually wants to go to where the success usually happens.
3: Dave wasn't the original name of our show, the false prophet hockey show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly what it was called as um, we do make a lot of false prophecy here on, uh, on illegal curve hockey. Yeah. I mean, Drew, there's, I mean, yes, if, if, if Mark Shifley played a different style of game, Mark Shifley could be a much more effective player, uh, offensively and defensively. And we've talked about that for a long time. And again, I'm of the potentially naive opinion that if Mark Shifley gets that long-term contract extension and never has to think about a money, essentially, not that he does making $6 million a year for the last six years, nobody's going to cry for him. But I, I think if he secures himself that long-term deal, I again, this is perhaps a bit naive of me, but I do believe he'll... I think at that point, Mark Shifley switches from I need to be you know earning eight, nine, ten million a season to now. I need to secure my legacy. Now I need to become the kind of player who secures a legacy. And then and you secure a legacy by doing what the Vegas Golden Knights did. Like Lauren Brois, his name is on the Stanley Cup. That that to me is the legacy. It's it's not Gary
3: Lawless's Cup. name is, is on the Stanley Cup as well. It wasn't,
0: it wasn't, it was not. But but I they did the, the Vegas Golden I'm Knights did dark. no. I know, I know, but the Vegas Golden Knights did tweet out. The uh, Gary's probably watching us right now. He's in Winnipeg at the yeah. bomber game last night. Texted me if he the show was sure on. He
3: stopped and got an illegal curve sandwich from Bernstein's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that's how you create immortality. You don't create it. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers says, Hey, player X, you know that. Wow. That guy was amazing. He won. He made a hundred million dollars in the NHL, but people can say how many cups did that guy win? That's what people focus on. And Mark Shifley is not an idiot. And I think Mark Scheifele is, rec- is going to be adept enough to recognize that in order to create a legacy for himself, again, the, mil- the millions and multi-millions of dollars isn't a bad l- legacy to create, but I just think that he'll he'll desire that Steve eiserman shift, the Steve Eisenman shift where he realized, I could be an elite offensive player, but I need to be a defensive player. I need to change my style of game. Again, this is my own opinion. I'm entitled to it. I'm not saying that I'm right. A lot of people are going to think that I'm wrong but I just think that you may see Mark Scheifele may not even be on the jets, but you may see Mark Shifley switch his focus and try and become that player because he realizes, Hey, I can score 50 goals, but if I don't play offense and my team loses more games and we don't win a Stanley cup, then again, my legacy is going to be of a guy will be a tarnished legacy, really, as opposed to a guy who is able to take his team over to that next stay, stage boys and get them to being a Stanley cup contender. Because if you're not, Again, like I said, the hundreds of millions of dollars, that's a good thing. But at the end of the day,
2: you're not going to be a Stanley Cup champion. And that'll, so, that'll live with you. So you think Dave, that that could happen as early as this year, because that next contract could be signed. Well, it could be signed today. That, yeah, I do. I honestly, again, I, I my, my philosophy is that if
0: March likely gets that extension, it doesn't have to, and to be honest with you. If I'm the Jets and I want to sign him to something, I would do it now because I would want him to have a different mindset coming into the season of, of, Again like I said of changing his style of game do cats change their stripes he's been in the NHL for 10 years as I see you shaking your head you don't think it's possible well, I think
3: the question isn't will could he is will he And so yeah. the thing is yes he could we could talk about this all day long. He's 30 years old here yeah and I, I, like I always get I, I always shake my head I realize that Steve Iserman is his favorite player but he's not even close to being at that level where I mean Steve Eiserman was a guy that put up 120 130 points. And he's a Hall of Famer and won multiple Stanley Cups. So I think all centers in the NHL wish they were Steve Iserman. I think at 30 years old, Mark Scheifele isn't isn't a poor defensive player. He's a horrible defensive (laughs) player. I mean, let's be honest here. Like Mark Scheifele scores 42 goals, puts up 80 points, 85 points, everything like that. We've been watching him since he entered the NHL. I mean, this is a guy who's lazy defensively. He's lazy defensively as the first line center in the NHL. So he has to come from being a lazy, poor defensive player to just being an average defensive forward. Forget mm-hmm. about like talking about him as, as being an elite defensive forward, Dave. He's coming yeah. from a position where on, on many plays, he just is, is lackadaisical defensively. He just doesn't put in the effort and he focuses mm-hmm. more on the offensive side of the game. So yes, could he turn into a better defensive forward? Sure. But at 30 years old, why hasn't he turned into that yet? Like, is that going to happen this year all of a sudden magically? I think he he probably will tell you that he wants to be a better defensive forward, but actions speak louder than words. And And, and so I agree that it could happen. But the mm-hmm. question is, will it happen? Because if you look at his underlying advanced statistics defensively, he's awful. I,
2: I tried to. I bl- I was blinded. <laughs> They're so bad. You kind of look directly at them like Voldemort. Don't, don't look. Don't look. <laughs> so that's well, all yeah. I'm saying. I mean,
3: look, I have no problem with Shifley defensively or as a, uh, pardon me, as a person. Uh, I do have a problem with him defensively. I'm like, like, yeah, I, didn't just just was, I don't have a problem <laughs> with him personally, but like, I mean, it's just like, He has a long way to go, Dave, before we're talking about him being a good defensive forward. And I just haven't seen that. And we talk about it year after year. Shifley's got to be better defensively. We've been talking about this for five years now, maybe longer than that. Um, And and so the thing is, he's got to make that determination and he's got to show us on the ice, not talking about it with the media, not us talking about it. Like he's got to do it. So yes, he's probably going to put up 80, 90 points. He might score a hundred points this year. Uh, but I just don't see that, you know, reliable defensive forward. Maybe it'll happen. We've seen flashes of it, but we definitely have not seen it over the course of the season, and he's the only one that can change that. Nobody else. Adam Oates can't change that. Rick Bonus can't change that. Shifley has to make that part of his game better.
2: Let's welcome to the program, he's the managing editor with the Hockey News. He's our very good friend, Michael Trakos, joins us on the show now. Michael, good morning. How are things? Nice to see you, old friend.
1: Hey, nice to be on.
2: You guys can hear me, okay? We can hear you, okay? You're coming through loud and clear. So, uh, hopefully, the same with us uh, to you,
3: Mike. I picked up this Jays hat yesterday just for you.
2: Yeah, hey, I like that,
1: man. That's like a little old school, isn't it?
2: If 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 it was for Michael, you should have picked up a Pixies hat. That's your that's that's what Michael's all about is the Pixies, not the Jays. Well, I mean, maybe you're about the Jays too, but I know you got the Pixies tattoo, right? I think I, I think I'm right on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm um, just waiting for them to come on the, their next tour date. Didn't even come to uh, Canada this time, so
2: I'm well, a little you know, I'm, about that. The Pixies and Taylor Swift—they're—they're—they're they're, they're both letting down Canadians, left, right, and center. Uh, in We're that get case, on
1: that one as well.
3: <laughs> well, Mike, you might not believe this, but I think in August or September, Drew and his wife Laura have tickets to go see Fifty Cent and buster Rhymes uh, in Winnipeg. That's not who you would probably. <laughs> You know, guess Drew's a fan of, but yes, Drew's a big G unit fan.
2: G unit, nice, man. <laughs> I I can, I can assure you that I'm not. What I am is a is a good husband. My wife is a fan, and I'm she said we're going. And I said, Alrighty, let's go and have a good time. And that's what well, that's what I'm all about. I will not be uh I will not be driving that night. We'll just, we'll just. I bought Drew pack. a
3: 40 ounce of Old English just in advance <laughs> so he can drink that before the concert.
2: Well, you know, like a few years ago I
1: saw Snoop Dogg with Wiz Khalifa on, uh, as part of their tour and it was an outdoor concert kind of similar to where Ezzy is at right now. Um, and it was amazing um, to see like old school hip-hop and new school. I guess I don't know if Wiz is new school anymore. He probably is old school. Um, but it was, yeah. Usually hip-hop's hit or miss. Like Usually live hip hop is like not the same as live rock and roll. Uh, there's a little like studio, you know, magic that kind of gets lost with the live show. But I gotta say, like Snoop can deliver live, so we'll see. You gotta let me know how fitty Cent is.
2: I'll I'll let you know. And just so we're clear, I'm 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 gonna g- regain my credibility as a f- mid '40s uh, sports journalist by seeing Springsteen in November. Just so that I'm balancing everything out, and the and the world is still on its equilibrium. You know what? It's so funny. I was on another
1: podcast and the guy was like, so what's your favorite Springsteen song? And it's it's almost like you have to like Springsteen if you're a sports writer. Like it doesn't matter if you cover hockey, baseball, football, whatever. If you don't like Springsteen, it's like you almost like you, you don't get the vote for year-end awards. Uh, you, you don't get in the press box anymore. So it's kind of weird that way. I wonder what the next generation Springsteen is going to be for like all the young guys here. Um yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like once he's gone, I don't know who that guy is who fills that void.
2: Well, hopefully, we're all gone at that point in time too, because we'll be we'll be old, we'll be old <laughs> geezers, and it's time for the next generation. Uh, at, at that point, uh, Michael, obviously, we didn't bring you on to talk uh, music, but that has been a good uh, intro so far. I would say let's talk about uh, the NHL. Let's talk about free agency. Let's talk about the off season so far. You know, you look back at July first; it was a week ago. To me, I, I mean, I think that you know, even the worst move on July 1st, and there were some that were peculiar at best. I don't even think that the worst move is going to be nearly as damaging as some of the worst moves we've seen in previous years. Just sort of your thoughts on the general rationality that that we saw on July 1st.
1: You know, I didn't see a whole lot of crazy, to be honest, guys. Um, I, I know Brad True Living in Toronto was talking about prices being high, and I think that was in reference to. Uh, The Leafs giving Ryan Reeves uh, a three-year deal. Um, But, you know, what? I didn't see, like, crazy prices being paid. Like, um, I thought it was very sensible. Um, If if you weren't a Stanley Cup contender, you probably weren't making big moves. Uh, You could argue that some of the biggest moves were uh, made by, like, the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of, like, kind of overpaying for guys. And it was just because, you know, the Blackhawks needed to get to the salary cap floor. So you know, paying for Corey Perry, paying for Nick Felino and uh, Taylor Hall, um, they seem seem kind of outrageous. But when you look at their salary structure, it's kind of like, well, uh, they they almost had to do it. So um, still a lot of movements to to be made. I'm like I'm, I was looking right before I joined you guys here. Uh, the fact that Vladimir Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, Matt Dumba, uh, a lot of these star players are still uh, available on the market. Uh, kind of curious to see
3: actually Changed his agent an hour ago, Mike.
1: <laughs> Are you being serious?
3: No, I'm just saying he's had three agents in the last three years. So just making a terrible joke.
1: No, nah, he might as well. Um, so I, I'm almost predicting like a, a busy end of July, maybe even August, where some of those kind of deals uh, can be made. I know the Leafs, typically when Dubis was the GM, uh, he liked to do a lot of his bargain kind of basement hunting uh, at the end of the summer. Uh, and getting guys on you know minimum contracts um, so we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah it's not like I'm I'm looking at the landscape right now saying oh wow uh, this team really shot out of the cannon because they got x y and z uh, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop especially with Winnipeg like uh, I heard you guys talking about Shifley just as I was joining you guys um, I, I still I don't know if he's going to be in play obviously but with the the contract expiring at the end of this year. Um, he's a guy, obviously, that's going to get a lot of uh, eyeballs on him as the season progresses. And then, obviously, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, I'm still waiting to see if he ends up as a New Jersey Devil or where he goes. And same thing with John Gibson. So the goalie market is still very much uh, in flex, in my mind.
3: Or yeah, and, and uh, you know, I agree with you. In terms of free agency, I think you've seen less crazy contracts. Like, in terms of, you know, I'll, I'll ask a question that's not Leafs-related, but I, I told... Drew and Dave, like, or at least I texted Dave, like, I actually like the moves the Leafs made. Like John Klingberg, one year, no problem with that. Max Domi, he's a guy that can play in your bottom six, and obviously Tyler Bertuzzi, to me, is the type of player that any team would want. This is a guy that produced big time for some bad wings teams. I don't think you there, any of those contracts were bad contracts. I think you know Leafs fans might want an upgrade on defense and in and goal. But I wanted to ask you about Eric Carlson because you know reports are that the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, would like to land Eric Carlson obviously Kyle Dubas is you know putting his stamp on the team and there might have to be some some contract eaten there because he makes a, a lot of money but I guess what do you see happening with with Eric Carlson and how could that impact a guy like Matt Dumba because Matt Dumba seems like a guy who's just you know waiting to sign for with a team but I I feel like there could be a connection there maybe the the Sharks move Carlson and then maybe sign Matt Dumba I'm just speculating here.
1: Yeah, they're different defensemen, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you can either choose one or the other. Um, Pittsburgh's a weird one for Eric Carlson. You figure that team's aging out. Uh, why would they need another kind of, quote-unquote, older defenseman to go along with, you know, a 35-year-old Crosby, 36-year-old uh, Malkin, and uh, uh, Chris Letang, who unfortunately uh, hasn't been able to stay really healthy over the years uh, because of his uh, heart issues. Um so, uh, yeah, it, it would be, it would almost be like they get, you know, Eric Carlson just to make that final push to get one more championship. I don't know if that's the right move for Pittsburgh, and if that's the move that Kyle Dubas makes, I almost feel like he'd be getting kind of pushed into a corner, into making it. Um, I don't know who would be in the market for a Carlson. I keep thinking, like, uh, a return to Ottawa makes so much sense just from an emotional level. I don't know if it makes sense from an actual team perspective. That being said, like, you know, if you've got a lot of those young defensemen on the team, uh, who better than to kind of learn from than Eric Carlson, who, you know, really was the last guy there, um, who took him to like conference final. Uh, I think they are one game, one goal away from going to the Stanley Cup final. And then basically the wheels fell off in that franchise. But um, yeah, he's an interesting target Uh, going back to the Leafs. um, I I know there was some speculation that maybe Toronto was interested in Carlson. Obviously I think Klingberg is a much better option that way, just because, you know, it's a shorter term. Um, He basically does what Carlson does, um, but he doesn't come with that huge salary. Um, So yeah, uh, I, I really like what the Leafs were able to do this summer. I think day one, uh Trilobing was just getting skewered because um, he didn't do anything. And it looked like Ryan Reeves was going to be his big uh, move. But <laughs> getting Domi and getting Bertuzzi, um, you know, you get more grit. Um, like we said with Klingberg, I think you address some of the issues on the back end. Uh, funny enough, like you have Morgan Riley on the back end. But one of the issues with Toronto was they can never score from the back end. Uh, They don't have that guy with the big shot. They really haven't had him since Brian McCabe. So uh, to have a Klingberg back there, I don't know if he's going to play first unit power play, but it's just going to provide a little bit boost, uh, more boost offensively. And um, I I, I still think in Toronto, though, um, everyone's still waiting for, you know, see what Austin Matthews is going to sign for. They can get him uh, signed up before the summer ends. And as well, uh, William Nylander. So until those two guys are signed, I think I still think a lot of Leaf fans are kind of waiting, or um, are, are holding out before they're saying, "Okay, Bradford living did a good job this year."
0: You know, Michael, you talk about you know being skewered for some of the moves, and one of those moves is Winnipeg's own Ryan Reeves and and signing the the, the deal with the, the Leafs. But you know, it's interesting because while some folks you know pilloried it, uh, Mark Bethought, former NHLer, he obviously was in favor, said it would help that Toronto uh, team. So what is your assessment as to what Ryan Reeves can do both on and off the ice for this uh, Leafs team?
1: I, I think off the ice Dave is where Ryan Reeves is actually going to make a bigger impact than on the ice. Um, I've been around this team and I'm not going to say the the team in the dressing room is as bad as it was back in the day when, you know, you had very much cliques with like Darcy Tucker and Domi and, uh, Travis Green and some guys weren't literally talking to other guys or back in the Phil Kessel days where, um, you know, you had Kessel, enough, you had loophole, you had uh, accusations of, uh, you know, off the ice uh, uh, stuff going on. Malfeasance
2: uh, is the word you're looking for. Not, I think. I'm,
1: I'm like looking for like another way of saying sexual stuff. <laughs>
2: Just say well, malfeasance, and we'll be able, and we'll be able to read between the lines.
3: Yeah, and Mike, we don't want to get Drew too excited either.
2: Geez. Not as bad
1: as that. Um, that being said, you know this is a team. Once they lost Jason Spezza, uh, I think they lost a lot of leadership in that dressing room. Um, I think they were really hoping that a guy like Ryan O'Reilly was going to stick around because he had a lot of sway in the room. Um, so, you know. I think Ryan Reeves, Ryan Reeves is going to be huge in terms of off the eyes. Like he's immensely popular. I don't know how much you guys uh, know about Reeves, but in Pittsburgh, he was a glue guy uh, in Vegas. He was a glue guy. And then you throw in the fact that this guy is arguably still the toughest guy in the NHL, someone that no one really wants to mess with. Um, so he's going to provide uh, a, a lot of physicality. Um, he's probably going to, find himself not playing every single game. But like I said, off the ice, in the dressing room, he's going to be huge, especially on road trips. Uh, I think having a Ryan Reeves there, and, you know, he's 37 years old. He signs a three-year deal, so he's there to 40. Um, if the leagues go deep in the playoffs, chances are he's probably not even going to see any ice time in the playoffs. But like I said, uh, off the ice, uh, you talk to people in Pittsburgh and in Vegas, uh, they'll tell you how valuable Ryan Reeves is.
2: Michael Tracos our guest on the Illegal Curve over uh, the Illegal the Illegal Curve hockey show on this Saturday morning. Easy enough for me to say, Michael, you look at the goaltending sag. I mean, here in Winnipeg, we know Connor Hellbuck when you're left on his deal. And then you have Frank Saravelli reporting that John Gibson has told the Ducks he's not going to play another game for them. Yet you have his agent Kurt Overhart's you know denying that and there was a little bit of a back and forth between Frank and Kurt on on Twitter as a result. You know, if if you were acquiring a goaltender. I mean, Connor Halibuck, Everybody says still an elite goaltender. The numbers bear that out. Yet a lot of people say that John Gibson, despite having numbers that are not as good as they once were, on a different team other than the Ducks, could regain that shape. If you had to take a flyer on one of the two, which one would you be taking a flyer on uh, uh, if you were if you were acquiring a goaltender?
1: Give me Connor Halibuk uh, any day of the week. Um, the fact that... No, did
3: you just put Connor Hellebuck and John Gibson in the no, same... No, sorry.
2: I'm just talking about in terms of Gibson. Gibson's been nothing...
3: awful the last few years.
2: I know, but there's a hey, lot of... here. Here's the thing, Drew, and as
1: he like... I, I like Gibson. Uh I still think he can be... Maybe he can be an elite goalie on a good team. He just hasn't shown it. Like, he's never had that opportunity in the playoffs where, really, he's like taking a Ducks team uh, to the promised land. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck almost like every year he's in the mix for the Vezina. Um, He had a really good run that one year with the uh, Winnipeg where they lost to Vegas. Um, I think this guy's been tested. And um, if we've got a world cup of hockey coming up, uh, I think I'd rather have Hellebuck in the net than Gibson. Um, Yeah. That's the guy I want. And you know what? And the fact that Hellebuck wants out of Winnipeg, I know it hurts you guys and you never want to hear that a player doesn't want to play for his team, but all I'm hearing right now is this guy wants to win a championship and he's looking around him saying, you know what? It's not going to happen in Winnipeg. This team is going in a different direction and it's probably the right direction when when you take everything into consideration. So the fact that Hellebuck doesn't want to be there for a rebuild, uh, I don't fault him for that. All I see is a guy that wants to win. And um, if I'm, a championship contending team. That, that's the guy I want in that right now. Um, I, I think Connor Hallebuck, you know, next year, um, if, if he lands in a good spot, if he's in New Jersey or I'm um, trying to think what other teams are in really in the mix for him, but uh, I would pencil him in as a top three candidate for uh, a Vezina next year.
2: Yeah, you know, it, I worded that question terribly, so I'm not comparing John Gibson and Connor Hellebuck. No, that was they bad. Get compared a lot,
1: Drew, it's not like it's a bad comparison, really. Um, like I said, when you when you're drawing up a list of the top U.S. born goaltenders in the NHL right now, it probably is Hellebuck and Gibson, uh, who are probably going to be duking it out for uh, the net. Like I said, the next Olympics or next World Cup, and um,
2: what, what, what know, I meant to really ask numbers, is numbers.
1: You, you you could make that argument that you throw Gibson in Winnipeg for the last few years and you put Hellebuck in Anaheim, and maybe Hellebuck's numbers don't look so great. Like that that is an awful team. I don't even know who who's on defense on that team that's really kind of helping out at Gibson. So, um,
2: what, yeah, what, yeah what, I kind what, of almost
1: feel sorry for the kind of spot he's been put in.
2: What I really meant to ask is, would you consider acquiring Gibson at a fraction of the cost instead of Hellebuck at the at the higher cost? Well, that's why cost. his
3: contract is awful, Drew. He makes $6.4 million gibson i'm talking about for the next four years right that's why i don't think there's any trade market for him
2: well but if it's available as a you know as a salary dump or if it's available at a very low cost and you're counting on a bounce back would you be willing to take that risk i shouldn't have even brought connor hellbuck into the equation to be perfectly honest it was a terribly worded question on on my part Yeah, if you can send
1: the guy back, um, like the Leafs have Matt Murray. If you can send Matt Murray back for uh, Gibson as part of the package that gets worked out, then yeah, for sure. Um, Because, yeah, Gibson still has the tools, I think, there. Uh, I I still think it's a a product of the environment more so than it is the goaltender. uh, Why his numbers are uh, the way they are. Like I said, it, it, it can't be easy playing for the Anaheim Ducks team. And, you know, Winnipeg hasn't been the greatest team also. But, you know, they got Josh Morrissey. They, they have a stacked forward lineup. Um, and, and I know, like, here's the thing with Connor Hellebuck that I really like is the guy's a horse. Like, you know how many games he plays a year. Uh, basically, is like the second coming of Marty Brodeur in the sense that he just wants to be in the net every single game. And, you know, that, that just speaks to the competitor that he is. Like I said, he wants to play for a championship team uh, going forward now. I think he's paid his dues uh, as long as he could in Winnipeg. Uh, that was a team that was, you know, penciled in for a championship for the last, like, several years. Uh, weren't able to get the job done, and now they're going a different direction with Blake Wheeler gone, Pierre-Luc Dubois gone, and uh, we'll see what happens with Scheifele before the end of the year. So uh, I, don't, I don't fault Hellebuck for wanting to jump ship as well.
2: I'm just going to not talk your... for the rest. I'm going to not talk for the rest of the interview. Yeah, after that. it's no fine, I
3: Drew. I mean, I, I mean, you like Drew you know. a better
1: goalie now, Matt Murray or Gibson? Come on, let's go.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's have that. Just leave me alone. Debate. Leave me alone. The original please. North American
1: uh, team, North
3: American goalies. There.
2: Well, gonna, and Mike, I'm I'm I wanted to listen, ask you I about a different listen, team, 50 but sent over here.
3: I wanted to, yeah, exactly. Just listen to your G unit on repeat, Drew. But. You know and especially with like, you know, Troy Terry and Trevor Ziegris need new contracts and and Leo Carlson, I mean, he's it's not like he's gonna step in and save the ducks. And then you've got like Pavel Mintukov, who the defenseman who they drafted last year. But the ducks are at least three or four years away from being a decent team. I think you'd agree, Mike. So that's complicating things uh, yeah. to to make a trade for for the ducks. But I wanted to ask you, but just kind of looking overall picture with free agency, like and <clears throat> I think the most impressive move the Colorado Avalanche made was not in free agency, but I've been very impressed with what they've done. And, you know, I'm a Devils fan and some people criticize the Miles Wood move, you know, maybe giving him too many years or too much money. But the, I, I look at, you know, the second line center role and that's been kind of the main, uh I guess, area of concern after Nazem Qadri went to the Calgary Flames, right? You bring in Ryan Johansson and you can say whatever you want about Ryan Johansson, but having him as a 2C behind Nathan McKinnon and I realize there's question marks like what's happening with that situation with Valerie Nachushkin, for example, but you bring in Miles Wood, Ryan Johansson, you move Alex Newhook, you get a few draft picks. Like, I look at the Colorado Avalanche, I still see them as the top team in the Western Conference. Maybe that's just me, but I really like the work that Joe Sakic has done.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you, Izzy. I, uh, I think last year was a bit of a blip. They had, they had some nasty injuries that just, they, they couldn't overcome. I think the goaltending, um... That, that was an area where Georgiev just, you know, w- we said that you didn't need a goaltender or the avalanche proved that you don't need an elite number one goalie to win a Stanley cup uh, because they did that with Darcy Kemper. But, you know, Kemper was probably a little bit of an upgrade over Georgiev and uh, the injuries, like I said, hurt them. Uh, McCarr was in and out of the lineup. Landis we know what happened to him. I think Rantanen missed some time as well. And then Nikushkin in the playoffs with the, uh, uh, the off ice stuff with the hotel and his uh, his girlfriend or friend of friend that was a girl. I don't I don't know. I don't want to speak too much on the details because they are lady so
3: friend. Quirky.
1: Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a team that I would probably say uh, out of the West. I would even put them ahead of Vegas uh, going forward next season, just because like like when you got McKinnon, you got McCarr, and you got Rantanen. Uh, th- those are three grid paces. I'm not sold. I don't know how you guys feel about the Ryan Johansson. You think he's a, a solid guy to play behind McKinnon? I, I don't think so at all. Um, I think Ryan Johansson peaked five or six years ago. To be honest, um, I, I've heard some things about him off the ice. Even I, I just I don't see him as a guy that's going to play a significant role there. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm not sold at all on Ryan Johansson. So that that's fair. It's, it's fair enough, Mike,
3: because. I mean, you're right. Let, let's be honest. I mean, considering what he, what was he drafted sixth overall? If I if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to check fourth overall back in in 2010. I, I don't know if he's ever lived up to being a top five pick. And you're and you're right. There have been questions about his dedication, work ethic, stuff off the ice. But I just think that's an upgrade. Over, like Alex Newhook, I think has a, a bright future ahead of him. And then uh, that's obviously why Montreal acquired him after they couldn't get Dubois. But I just think, you know, Johansson gives you a solid veteran up the middle. He's not perfect. I, I would rather have Nazem Khadri, to be honest with you, over, over Ryan Johansson. I just think he, he solidifies that second line center role. But I agree with you. I mean, maybe he's not going to to reach the heights that we expected him to reach, you know, four or five years ago.
1: No. Um, and, and with Kadri, at least, if he's not producing points, he can be a real pain in the butt to play against. Uh, Johansson, I don't think, brings that same sort of snarl. We saw it a bit when you know, Nashville went all the way to the final. Him and Kessler were battling it out uh, in that series uh, against Anaheim. But, man, that, that's a long time ago, guys. Um, and really, since then, Ryan Johansson has just been basically a, a number three center uh, with the kind of production that he's been putting up. Like, he doesn't score goals. He's a bit more of a playmaker in that regard, uh, so it might depend on who he sees some time with on the the abs if they decide to split up McKinnon uh, and Rantanen. Maybe he sees some time in Rantanen or with Rantanen, and you know, if you're playing with Miko, um, you know, I, I could play center and probably put up like 60 points. That's that's a good of a winger that Miko Rantanen is. So um, yeah, um, still for me, it's a curious move. Um, Uh, I I was kind of surprised that they didn't take a a run at Matt Duchesne and try to bring him back. Maybe it was just too sour from the last time he was there um, because, from what I heard, that that wasn't a good experience also with the abs. But, uh, yeah, with all the options out there, um, I wouldn't have gone after Ryan Johansson, especially if I'm penciling uh, the Colorado Avalanches as, as a Stanley Cup team. I don't see him being the kind of the missing piece to get him there.
3: And sorry just to before Dave gets in here I'll, I'll just quickly say the the uh, the guy that I really was was thinking would be a perfect fit there is the other Ryan O'Reilly. That's the guy that I was thinking going there back you. to Colorado. If it, if we're talking Ryan O'Reilly, okay, then you know that's exactly who they need. But I agree with you, Mike. There's there's definitely something underwhelming about Ryan Johansson still at this point in his career.
1: I'll be honest. I I almost forgot he was in the league, guys. Like I I thought, like maybe injuries had like rendered him as a guy that just didn't even play. Like I I was looking him up as you were talking there, Ezzy, and like
3: he had a bad year last year. For sure, he he never
1: stays healthy. Now, like fifty-five games last year, fine seventy-nine the year before, then forty-eight the year before that. I don't know if that was a COVID year. The only reason he played forty-eight, but. Yeah, he doesn't put up good points. Like twenty-eight points in fifty-five games last year and a minus thirteen. That that's the guy that you're aiming for in free agency. I just don't see it. Uh maybe Joe Sack sees something in him that I don't, but uh very underwhelmed with that pick.
0: You know, Michael, from a from a team that's making moves to one that isn't, what is going on in Calgary? Or Man, what I isn't going I, on in Calgary?
1: I, I, I honestly don't know. Um you know, when they made that trade last year, like we were sitting here around this time last year going, Calgary won that trade. Florida, what a dumb move. Uh, they gave up Weger and Huberto and a pick for Matthew Kachuk. Calgary's going to go all the way. Um, that's a team that's going to challenge Edmonton in a good way next year. And, man, it, it just completely fell flat. And. Now you're looking at that team in a similar vein as you're looking at Winnipeg going, okay, what direction are they going now? Is it time to sort of maybe not blow things up, but really take a hard look at uh, what direction you should be going in? So, yeah, uh, whenever you're playing in a division with the Oilers, uh, it's going to be tough because I think the Oilers are, you know, they're probably, I would put them right behind Vegas as to uh, top teams in the Pacific. And that Pacific is just a weak, weak division. Like I I guess LA is still going to be hanging around there and competing, but you know, San Jose is garbage. Anaheim's garbage. uh, Vancouver. I don't think they're going to make a push. Maybe it's going to be Vancouver and Calgary as to uh, who the next uh, big Canadian team is out of the Pacific. But yeah, uh, very, very very puzzling as to what what direction the Calgary flames are going to be heading in this year. I I heard that uh, true living might, might've gone uh, back to the well and, Uh, Tried to take a bunch of guys with him Um, when he came to Toronto. uh, We haven't seen that, which maybe speaks to the fact that he doesn't want any of the guys that he saw last year with the flames. And I don't blame him.
2: Michael, last one for you. What happens with William Nylander this off season?
1: I think, I think there's a very good possibility, Drew, that he gets traded. Um, I think the number he's looking at and what the Leafs are wanting to sign him at are so f- drastically different that I think the only uh, solution really is that Nylander gets moved and he gets the money elsewhere. I don't think the Leafs have any interest in overpaying for Nylander and uh, giving Matthews what he wants. And then having to think that, you know, whatever the Nylander gets and whatever Matthews gets, well then you got to give murder that whenever his contract comes up. So Um, I think the longer this drags on uh, the greater the possibility that William Nylander is no longer a Maple Leaf uh, As to where he ends up stay tuned because (laughs) it could be anywhere based on where the money is going to be. So um, yeah, that's going to be a real difficult one. I I think with the Leafs still uh, what they need is uh, a defenseman more than they need another uh, scoring winger, especially a streaky scoring winger and Nylander and, Um, Yeah, uh, the more I think about it, uh, the more I can see him getting moved and a defenseman coming in.
2: Between my shitty John Gibson question and the fact that Ginsburg just took a bite of a sandwich in the middle of an interview, let it not be said that this is the most professional operation you've ever appeared on, Michael Tracos, managing editor for the Hockey News.
3: Good to see you, buddy. I'm hungry, Drew. We're talking about hockey for two hours here. I got to have a, a bite of my breakfast sandwich.
2: That's terrific, as We're all very proud of you. Michael, thank you. Our apologies again for having to put up with us for as you've done so many times over the years.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And it uh, looks like it's beautiful weather up there. You're in Winnipeg, right, Desi? Like, you didn't... Uh... No, I'm
3: actually... Um, I'm about an hour and a half northeast. Uh, I'm in Lac Bonnie. It's my wife's family's cottage out here. So, What's like, the low. eastern... Not not too far, actually, from the Ontario border out here in the Canadian Shield. Dave knows how beautiful it out it is out here, Nopaming Provincial Park. But uh, I think it's beautiful in Winnipeg as well. Drew wouldn't know because he's in his basement bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I believe the weather is nice across most of southern manitoba awesome well
1: enjoy the summer guys uh <laughs> like i said a lot of free agency moves to be made so i don't think you're going to be taking too much vacation
2: probably not michael be well we'll do it again real soon buddy thanks for joining us this morning thanks guys there let's he goes break. michael tracos joining us let's go to break for one final time this is the illegal curve hockey show okay. finally an articulate gonna ginsburg is going to be on the show no matter, we don't have to listen to Ezzy uh, chewing uh, any longer. We can have Ruben on the show, and we're all going to be better off for it. Ruben's uh, currently
3: giving me hand sanitizer, so I'm cleaning my hands, right, Ruben?
2: That's yeah. good. He should always. That should just be his permanent job, just sort of walking around you at all times, sanitizing you. Maybe you can get it like in a hose, where he just sort of spray you down yeah, constantly. I need it. You with- know that, Drew. Yeah, with sanitizer. Uh, I do enjoy, as I was, I, was, I was sort of laughing about it during the interview with Michael, uh, that, you know, the, the way the shadows were hitting Ginsburg, the only part of him that we could see was his mouth. Everything else was in shadow. He sort of looked like one of those, uh, like if you're watching Dateline or 2020 and they're blurring the face out of somebody except for their mouth. Uh, it, it, it sort of looked, was a good look for you, Ezzy. I like that. The majority of your face being in the shadow. And Nobody just needs out. to see
3: my face, Drew, so this Nobody works needs perfectly. To see her,
2: especially when you're chewing. You
3: Nobody just need to see Ruben's face. That's all that matters.
2: Yeah, wow. the, the, certainly far, the far better of the Ginsburg options uh, on this Saturday morning. Uh, Dave M's going to have the latest from Development Camp all throughout the day on LegalCurve.com, also on our YouTube channel. So you can look forward to that. Uh, Dave doing a great job covering Development Camp in its entirety entirety uh, and then of course after today we're still going strong we go strong all through the end of July uh, but the Jets I think we're going to uh, quiet down a little bit but you never know will there be a late July surprise when it comes to Shifley or Hellebuck or the log jam on the back end if there is Dave M will have it covered for illegalcurve.com isn't that right Mr. Manuk? You're just giving me a thumbs up. You're not even going to come on the mic. Just giving a solid thumbs up at this point in time. Fair enough. I can accept that. Uh, Ezzy is, uh, is doing a great job down at Lactobani as well. So if you're out there and you're looking to hit him up, he said that he's got an open bar available. So you can be sure to... Meet me
3: at you. Trappers. Let's go get some ice cream at Trappers on Highway 315.
2: There you go. As he's as he's buying everybody. Uh, so good luck with all that. Want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors who make this show, to make the post game show during the season, who make the website a possibility. We mentioned rumors and Linden Market Dental Center and Zapia Group Realty. You can't forget about Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagrams, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and the Keg. If you happen to be enjoying an alcoholic beverage or two on this fine weekend, please do so responsibly. We need you. Better back here next Saturday, healthy and fit and ready to join us as we do each and every Saturday with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us feedback here, there, everywhere. We want to know what you think of this fine programming. Please forget my lousy question and Ginsburg's propensity to eat a sandwich on air and think about all the good things that we at a legal curve do for you
3: because before we wrap up who are you most excited to see at folk fest
2: i have absolutely no idea who any of the performers are all i know is that it's a lovely way to spend a saturday so that's uh, my wife and i are going to take the kids out to folk fest you know I- i'm not a big music guy in general despite the conversations on today's show but I, is the
3: headliner, I believe.
2: I don't know if we're going to be there late enough tonight to, to see the, uh, to see the uh, main stage performances, but all I know is that when you go to the Folk Fest, even if you've never heard of the performer, they're all fantastically talented musicians, so I'm looking forward to just spending a nice day listening to some good music <laughs> and sort of uh, introducing my kids uh, to the Folk Fest experience. Uh, because I think it's just a great uh, great thing that happens here in the summer each and every year. But if you're in the city and you're looking for something to do today, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club has two shows tonight, 7.15 p.m. and 9.45. So be sure to check that out. want to say a big thank you. To everyone who joined us, also Murata Tesh and Michael Tracos, in case you missed any of the show, the immediate replay is on our YouTube channel. And of course, the podcast will be available just as soon as Dave M. does his fine work in getting that posted. We'll be back next Saturday, 9 a.m. for another edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Of course, if news breaks throughout the course of the week, illegalcurve.com. And also, <laughs> sorry, our-
3: sorry, I, Ruben, I'm going to help you put on the sunscreen. Okay, you're putting on too much. I'm watching, Ru- watching Ruben on the deck here putting on sunscreen, and he has put way more sunscreen <laughs> than he should. Like, you should see his legs. Like, there's five times as as much. So, I think we better wrap up here because I got to help Ruben out with his uh, sunscreen application because he's basically used half the bottle here.
2: Why don't you go take care of that? I was wrapping up until you interrupted me with the breaking sunscreen related news, but uh, I appreciate it nonetheless. Cause I can imagine that there's a that's lot of sunscreen.
3: Too much. that's too much. Give Mummy some of that or give Ariella some.
2: Alrighty. I think on that note, Dave, do you have anything else to add or we're ready? Dave's like, yeah, let's just get done with this, this, this damn show. Be well, everyone be safe. Enjoy your weekend. If it's Saturday, it's the illegal curve hockey show.
0: Thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.